0: Powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Red Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Alec Bradley Lone Studios of Azel, Texas. Welcome to Primetime Special Edition 126. Tonight we welcome Andy Yaffe, National Sales Director from McAuliffe Cigars, as our special guest. And as always, Primetime Special Edition is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand is consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobaccos that has been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon-married with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo's got a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double H 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Abano Bourbon leaves Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And we want to mention Aganorsa Leaf. Great Leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of their Carola 99 and Criollo 98 seeds, cultivated by Cuban agronomists on the best lands in El Nicaragua. When you smoke one of our JFR, JFR Lunatic Guardian of the Farm or Casa Fernandez cigars, you'll experience a unique taste and aroma that makes Aganorsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganorsa Leaf. We want to mention JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corolla Leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age of cigars of Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamas Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing caroho from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic caroho back to the market. With over 50 years experience in the tobacco business from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic caroho. Now, with Jerry Tobacco, Julio and San bring their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic. Corojo Leaf, check out the Aladino uh, line, which is available in a variety of wrapper options that represent the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961, including the newly launched Aladino Classic. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every draw. And finally, by Drew Estate. Check out and download the Drew Double Matt app for your mobile device. Keep up with everything going on, Drew Estate. Experience the subculture is the rebirth of cigars. To on iTunes or Google Play for more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California Studios for the Primetime Show. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Special Edition 126. Today is Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. This is Will Cooper. I'm on the Red Stage tonight in the Podomo Cigar Studios. And I'm joined cross-country by my good friend and colleague in the Alex Bradley Lone Star Studios of Hazel, Texas. Bear to Pussy! Yes, sir. That was perfect. It was absolutely perfect Four times, man. I, Aaron is, pro- if, if Loomis is watching, he is, he is, he is, gonna, he is just going to give me more trouble on Thursday night. You,
1: you know why I was so freaking excited about this, uh, the show tonight. Cause like, I was like, Coop's going to get a pass this week because I don't have to make fun of you for mispronouncing something, you know, you know right, right, nice. right. <laughs> and you know, three, se- you know, a sentence into it. You can't even get the whitest last name in the whole
0: industry. So, I mean, good job, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a, this was a fun one tonight. Um, you know, and, and the, the funny thing is, you know, and we, we're going to bring Andy on in a second here. Um, you know, McAuliffe is a, it, McAuliffe Cigar is a, is a company that really, I think they got into not just social media, obviously, but the media game, right? And I got to be honest, anytime I have someone on from McAuliffe, I'm very nervous because they're, they're, they're they have a true media uh, component to that company and yeah. they know how to do this and they do this very well so you get very nervous when when you have them on because they they notice they know they notice stuff you can't fool them with, with what we're doing there.
1: yeah they bring they bring out the they bring out the love and the support and everything it's they, just they it's it's incredible what they've done we've i mean we've commented on several times i've you know i've had andy and dan on my show as well it's something that's really you know it's yeah. just it's just incredible what they've built so it's, yeah it's really exciting to have andy on this show uh, I've been looking forward to this one since the trade show and
0: we uh, well, well, and we booked it. So yeah, and we're gonna bring them on in one second. Um, but, but well, when we only get the housekeeping out of the way first, Bear, right? And then we could gotta get into some more uh banter because I'll forget otherwise. So tonight, uh, we have a lot of folks who may not be tuned in every week. Uh welcome to the show because we do we give big, away stuff here. We give away stuff here. Now, what's cool is when we give away stuff, okay. Bear and I don't make you guys work hard for it, okay. Um, You don't have to go to social media and share with 10 people and you don't have to subscribe or like, although you should like right, subscribe and like to the show. Right. Um, You know, we don't make you do things. All we make you do is we make you put a a, um, a comment in the live stream where the show is being broadcast. So if you're watching this in a group, you need to actually be in the Cigar Coop page to put your comment where the show is streaming. Alright, and we have tonight, and I'm going to share this. Um, is it sharing? It's not sharing yet? Is it sharing now? Yeah, okay. We have this uh, St. Louis Ray Cadenas, which we've gotten a bunch of these from uh, from the folks at Tobacco Area USA, who uh, they've been popular with our audience, like people wanted to get it. Um, and it comes with a I know it comes with this bag, I know it comes with the flask, and it comes with this unique bottle opener, all right, and I don't know if it comes with the doers anymore I think they've changed that out since we've gotten these just you know, but it will come with something else, but I'm telling you the bag and the bottle opener are awesome, right yeah, and we that get, bag every weekend and provided I pick a winner timely, which I'll pick it after the show, you'll get this timely, yeah. Uh, but the bag is awesome. My wife's taken my bag already. Bear, I know you're a fan of the bag as well. It, Love it. It, it. It's not just. It's not. It doesn't look. People that you look at it, it's a better. Trust you, It's not one of those supermarket uh, recycling bags. No, it's a.
1: It's it's a beautiful cloth canvas bag. Uh, it's really durable. I mean, I take it. You know, I I you know I take it with me wherever we go with kids and stuff like that. I mean, that's I mean that's how durable it is. I've yep. got a two year old and a six year old that constantly make a mess. Like literally, it's like a tornado that follows them, and that that bag's lasted through a lot.
0: Yep, yep. So, um, the idea with this is, uh, I usually ask a question. Um, in most cases, the answer could always be found on cigar coop. Um, to answer this question, and I, I usually, and so it's open book. You can, but here's the thing. The key thing is we have a really good search engine on Coop. Like, so the idea, part of what I like to do is I want people to be trained to use the search engine, right? So this is part of the incentive of the contest, as well as to promote some of the great brands of tobacco or uh, USA as well. Bear, do you have something in particular question? If not, I will throw a question out because I'm always said the questions are too easy with me. Um, yeah, I, I, we can do that. I got okay. a question. Okay,
1: I'll yeah, let I'm not putting you
0: on the spot. I have one, but um, I you, I know you say my questions are too easy. So you you do make more challenging ones.
1: Oh, now now you're challenging me. I was gonna make no, it easy. Okay, one. that's
0: fine. No, it's fine. It's fine.
1: I, who am I to Okay, come- here here's the here's the challenge. They actually have to go to Cigar Coop to actually find it. I always tell them to go to Cigar Coop because you yeah, have the best the yeah. answers are always right there on Cigar Coop.
0: Yeah, All right, and, and, so here oh, it wait, is like right now. I'm, do, do I'm gonna do something else, Bear, which I never do. Here's the search piece right here. So you can yeah. put, like, Saint in there, Louis, and you know what I mean so, Or
1: just Carreñas.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, so and you can okay. it. And look All right. On, so, okay, yeah. cigar-coop.com.
1: Here we go. Yep. Cigar-coop.com. Go in the search key. Type in Carreñas. Type in Saint Louis Ray. I would suggest Carreñas because here's the question, okay? Okay. The question is, what date was the first article on Saint Louis Ray Carreñas published on Cigar Coop? The date, the date, the Date.
0: the date. So and
1: here's where you can find the date
0: right here, right there.
1: So if your answer was August 30th, 2022, which yeah. is not the answer that is right. incorrect, right. you would put August 30th, 2022. <laughs> and so here is uh, the hashtag. Pretty simple. Honor our guest tonight. Hashtag Andy. Make it easy.
0: Andy, how about your, that? I mean, so now, now McAuliffe ambassadors who are in tonight. Our our coop audience is great. They are they're one of the best audiences in the world. They have struggled with these hashtags though. <laughs> um, Can't screw and, it up now. Yeah. So yeah. So it's hashtag Andy. Now I'm gonna give you another, <laughs> Oh, but I'm gonna get in trouble for this. But I'll say it anyway. Here's the thing. I would not advise going to a print publication to get this answer. Okay, because the coop article actually came out a day or two later.
1: No, it's. On Cigar Coop, that's the answer. No, but, so, but but if
0: someone says, well, you know, I don't have to go to Coop for that answer to find out the always oldest, curious article. That's true, they could. Yeah, they could. We, we we're real careful because we don't always, that answer didn't come to us first. <laughs> that story didn't come to us first. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, when you want reliable news work in the cigar industry, you go to cigar-coop.com. Right, right, right. Just saying. I'm so saying.
0: Cigar-coop.com.
1: Type oldest article on
0: The oldest, the, the first oldest, article on article. Yeah. The original
1: yes. article on Louis Ray Crane. Yes. What was the date? Hashtag Andy. That's your answer. Win this prize.
0: Do we have do actually? It. I want to. See, um, more importantly, I want to see if the answers coming in are like that. Like not. I'm not worried about the right answer as much as do we have actually people who give uh, um, answering that internet correctly. Yeah.
1: I'm uh, a ton of.
0: Yeah. Our baseball chat just popped up too, so hopefully no, no one was saying anything bad about Gabe Kapler. So, oh. all right. Um. By the way, okay, Andy, I got to throw one of your reps under the bus. Alan Rubin. He's asked me if the show has started yet. <laughs> he gets. He gets a, He's got to get. Uh, he's getting dinged for that one. But no, actually, in fairness, it's my fault. The show started late tonight, so uh, apology. So let's bring on uh, Andy. Andy Affey, the national sales director for McAuliffe Cigars. Andy, welcome to primetime special edition.
2: Thank you for having me, uh, Will, and it's great to see you too, Bear. And just remember the answer hashtag Andy. I mean, that's that's such an easy hashtag, right?
0: Right, right. We, Andy have, Andy. we we, we have had we have oh yeah. I mean, if they
2: screw up
1: the hashtag, like we have to ask themselves one question: Are they are they are they actually an ambassador?
0: Well, okay. Oh, Here is exactly. the, the other thing I got to say: Um, you can't put two answers in. So if you have one answer, delete the one you think is wrong. Because when I go through this and I see two answers. Uh, The problem is Facebook doesn't Let us really sort these things right So I don't know which one's the right one You're fucking up my
1: buzz here Hashtag Andy, come on now
0: I'm trying with these guys Easy peasy I'm just seeing
2: people not even answer the question And just putting hashtag Andy there There's several people doing this (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, Andy, so so excited to have you uh, Part of this uh, for the show, uh, I've been looking forward to this. Like I said, some weeks yeah. since we booked it uh, at the trade show. Um, you know, so I Cooper likes to start kick things off with uh, these these shows with the uh, questions. I know this isn't necessarily uh, your first time being interviewed by me, uh, but mm-hmm. and uh, this might be a question that everybody knows at this point, especially with the, the awesome crowd that you brought over from the
2: Ambassador Group. But uh, when did you start smoking cigars? When did it all begin? So oh. it all began actually on my 18th birthday. And one of my good friends, uh, he was a cigar smoker because his, his uh, father was a cigar smoker. And he got me into it on my 18th birthday. We're like, hey, let's go have a cigar. And I grew up in Orlando, Florida. So I was about an hour from the beach. And we were like, we're going to go on your 18th birthday. We're going to go over to New Smyrna Beach, which I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with, but it's just south of Daytona. Yep. And... Yeah, it's, it's basically where all the Orlando guys went because Daytona was the touristy area. Yeah. We wanted to go to a little bit more private beach. So we went to New Summer Beach and uh, we grabbed a cigar and I was 18 at the time, so I couldn't drink. And I, we got a six pack of IBC root beer, believe it or not. And we sat in a beach chair watching the sun go down, uh, smoking a cigar and drinking IBC root beer. And my first cigar was actually a Heaven Vanilla which they don't even make anymore, I don't believe. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't seen those in a long time. No, yeah. you
0: know, Andy, this came up on Cigar Authority over the weekend. Um, I was on okay. there. We were talking about, like, brands that died, and Heaven came mm-hmm. up. Actually, Drew Estate bought it and basically shut the brand Before down. They die? Yeah, yeah, they shut it, and no one ever heard of the brand again.
2: Yeah, it was a complete random thing. Like, you know, being a new cigar smoker, I wasn't really – I was kind of scared of like the real thing or whatever. So I'm like, let me try a flavored one. I like vanilla. So I was like, let's do vanilla. It goes good with root beer. And we sat on the beach and uh, smoked the vanilla. And I'm like, this is great. And just actually a funny story. Uh, we went from the beach after we finished that cigar. We had IBC repair. We're like, we really want another one. So we went over to the gas station that was nearby. And um, we're like, you know, I didn't know anything at the time. I'm like, hey, do you guys have, you know, cigars? We want another one. And they pointed out, you know, you know, what I won't name, but it was a machine-made smoke. And I was like, okay, this is great. So we went back to the beach, lit that one up. And I'm like, hey, this is nothing close to uh, to what I just experienced. We couldn't even finish it. Uh, but, yeah, that was my first cigar experience when I was 18, just sitting on New Samaritan Beach, uh, having a Heaven Vanilla. I loved it. And, you know, it all went downhill from there, obviously. It just, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, nice, nice. If, would, so, so would I, you
1: say that you fell from heaven?
0: Oh, sure. sure.
1: This, <laughs> the show can't possibly get worse at this point, Coop. I'm going to no. throw out the dad jokes, too, now. This is no, no, yeah, no, no. Let's, let's no, just have
2: fun
0: tonight, guys. I'm, I'm all down. Let's do it. I all right. So, so, so actually, before we talk about how things went downhill with Andy. Okay. <laughs> now, <laughs> okay. Okay. So, Bear, we have an important piece of business we have to take care of, though. Dear God, yes, we do. Yeah, we have to. Okay, so Andy, uh, we have to determine what bear are, are you you were going to determine, it's not we or me. Oh, uh, so this is up to me,
3: yeah. So, okay.
0: so bear is, I'm going to be smoking tonight the A mm. in, in the Gordo size because oh, I'm, the Gordo size, I like it because Gordo okay. is too. Um, they, <laughs> yes, that's a fact, <laughs> it's a fact, yes, they are. <laughs> and, uh, but, but bear, but, but bear. Is gonna let you decide what he's gonna to smoke tonight because that is the tradition we do here. So it's been a tradition for a long time, and it's a tradition on his show as well. So Bear, what are your it used to be three selections, now it may be nine tonight.
1: I have I have I have I have five. But five. I have three, five. Yeah. Two two, two, <laughs> two the same though, technically speaking. There, okay. but it's yeah. it's on honor of you, Coop. Um, so here we go. Uh, your choices are, Andy, thank you so much uh, for the Riata Corona Extra that you handed me uh, at the Great Smoke this Ooh. year. I appreciate that.
2: that
0: was a good
1: cigar.
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: I enjoyed that cigar. Yeah.
2: I have. If been you've been, you been sitting on that since February, yeah, that's that's. Really I've been good. waiting
0: for the occasion. But <laughs> okay.
2: So got we got some that. other great
1: choices for you. I've got the uh, Robusto, uh, the Connecticut Robusto.
2: Nice.
0: Okay. Very good, too.
1: Uh, I have the, you know how much uh, I'm a fan of it in the larger size, but the La uh, Experiencia La Crema uh, in the uh, 5x54.
2: Okay. It's a bigger Robusto, but yeah, it's good.
1: And, uh, of course, I have uh, my favorite McAuliffe cigar, the A, the Churchill. Okay. And I have the A A Gordo
2: because... The egg gordos so I get the choice,
1: right? You get to choose whatever I, get. yeah, whatever I'm smoking.
2: No, no, you're you're smoking the Riata Corona Extra. That's what I smoke. choose.
0: Yes, <laughs> I was, I was you smoke know, that is that you know what's really what I love about that cigar. Um, it's you know it's not a very it's not a cigar that's going to beat you up with like nicotine strength, but but the flames mm. just accentuate off that cigar really really well. Um Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a great cigar that I say really anyone could smoke uh, a newbie or, you know, someone who's experienced it just doesn't want a, a very, you know, full smoke, um, but very nuanced smoke. That Riata is, is I think it's one of the hidden gems of the portfolio that line.
2: I completely agree. So before we came out with the Corona Extra and we actually came out with the Toro size this year, we just had the Churchill and the Torpedo size prior to that. And I always I always thought the blend was great, like you, like you just mentioned. It's a mild to medium at best. It's got some creaminess to it, yep. a little bit of sweetness, yep. has that nice uh San Andreas Sumatra that we use that isn't very uh common in this industry, uh, that gives it a very unique flavor. The problem we have with it was those two sizes that we had uh, brought over from the Gomez Sanchez family just weren't, they're not, they're not you know, trending sizes. They're not, they're not very yeah. popular sizes yeah. in the Churchill or Torpedoes. So we, we had a plan, you know, several years ago, let's bring out a little bit more popular sizes in this blend because we love it. And we brought out the Corona, Corona Extra, which is my personal favorite. I love that size in any cigar. Corona Extra, uh, 6x46 is the actual size of it. That's my favorite. And then the Toro size, and it's really reshaped the uh, image of that brand and that blend, uh, the Riata. And it's just a great cigar. So, for those of you guys, uh, for those of you who do not know what the Riata is, it's actually the name of, of Al McCall's restaurant in uh, in Fort Worth. Uh, which, Bear, have you ever eaten there? I have. You have That's eaten great. there. Okay. So okay. yeah, he named it. He named it after his restaurant in Fort Worth, Fort Worth, which is a very uh, very popular restaurant in the uh, the area. But yeah, it's a great yeah. smoke. So I'm excited to hear you said you haven't had that size and that cigar till tonight. Correct.
1: That's correct. This, yeah, you handed me this cigar at the Great Smoke this year, and uh,
2: gotcha.
1: Uh, I thought I would save it for an occasion like this, so thank you for picking it up for me. So,
2: perfect. So I want to know how you feel about it as we get into it a little bit. Sounds good. Well, I, really I want to know.
1: It. I want to know how you feel about the uh, about the uh, the c- calf fries with green cream gravy at um, and the tenderloin uh, tamales with pecan mash at Riata. That's what I want to know.
2: So calf fries do it. Yes. I, I have had calf fries. Uh, you know, Will, do you know what, do you know what uh calf fries are?
0: I'm going to be honest. I don't. <laughs> do you know no, what no, Rocky Mountain oysters are? <laughs> I know what that is.
2: Yes. Okay. It's, it's basically, it's the same thing. Okay. <laughs> so Riata is known for fried calf fries, which are, you know, cow, you know, am I able to say, testies sure. on here? Testicles. You, can say, you can say whatever so you cow, want. Cow testicles. Um, but it's actually a very, I, I think it's a very good yeah. good uh, fried food. It just tastes like chicken, in my opinion. But um, they're good. But then you're talking also about the tamales, yeah, which is my favorite thing on the Rihanna, uh menu. It's a beef tenderloin tamale with pecan mash, like beans kind of put around it. And it's just unbelievably good. It's really good. It's my favorite thing on the menu. Whenever I go to Riyadh, I always get that and some mac and cheese to go along with it because it's
0: delicious. So, yeah, and just so, yeah, like I said, uh, you know, Rocky Mountain. It was funny when I first had Rocky Mountain oysters. I really thought they were a seafood, which was funny. Yeah. But <laughs> because they do look like fr- they do look like a fried oyster. When you look yeah. at them, like, if you were looking at them on the table, you would never know that it was meat. Or, or meat pie. <laughs> right. but but they are very tasty very, they That's are delicious. very ta- no they're really good they're really good but yeah. yeah like i said if you put them and fried oysters next to each other you probably wouldn't be able to tell this the difference hey, well, can, can you let, can let
1: me share my screen Can you let me share my screen absolutely
0: some... absolutely uh let's try it again do
2: you have pictures of this meal bear i have the the i have the uh Go ahead. the tamales yep. Oh, the smallies are delicious. Just this, this, this is money. Oh, it's so good. Yep, there they are. So freaking good.
0: They're delicious. Nice.
2: So, so bear, are you going to be joining us at open house this year? It's only a few uh-huh. weeks away.
0: Well,
1: uh, I know Dan's watching. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. The I'm trying to say not say that I'm going to go because every time I say I'm going to do something with Dan, I I, like this. This year is just. (laughs) 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 Yes. So it sounds like a fun time, Andy. And and, and if if I happen to be there, uh, I know I will have fun. So,
2: (laughs) yes, the goal, the goal,
1: the goal, the goal goal, goal is to attend. this year. Yes,
2: that's great. Okay, well, if you are in attendance fair, these will be available to you to eat.
1: Oh, oh, wow. Don't tell me that. (laughs) I'm not gonna eat for like a week leading up to it. Oh,
2: yeah, they're, they're they're so good. Uh, uh you know. Well, if you ever have a chance to to get to Fort Worth, I definitely you definitely need to try those. They're yeah,
0: delicious. I I have actually a conflict. Like I was telling Dan that uh, with the um open house, but um I did tell Dan and I and I and I really owe him this, and I'm gonna make 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 it true. I need to crash the headquarters, so that's gonna happen. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> it'll be a crash at yes. headquarters. Yeah, so. Um, You'll have a good time. Yeah, and I definitely want to eat at Al's restaurant too. It's a, an absolute buck. I haven't been to Fort Worth since um the day before Bear's second son was born. So it's mm. been a it's been a while. Yeah, with the pandemic and everything. So uh, and it's, well, the yeah.
2: invitation's open to you, Coop. Whenever you're there, uh, you're absolutely welcome to crash the uh, warehouse and absolutely welcome to eat. dine at Riata. No, that's
0: Yeah, I I will, you know, if Dan wants me, I'll watch the warehouse overnight. You know, I'll set a cot up there. There's no problem with that, you know. Uh,
2: Well, the cigar areas are restricted to a key card. So you're going to have to figure out a way to get the key card cinched to get into there. You just take a few
0: boxes out for the night and I'm I'm good. (laughs) No, that's true. Yeah. um, Yeah. So, no, I will be – Folks will know where I will be uh, right before that open house, and uh, so you know I'll have some pictures up of that. It's uh, but yeah, I've had a work thing kind of targeted for a while, so uh, I have to work meaning the uh, non cigar work. So uh, which is don't worries, yeah, it's just bumming me. But uh, and we're gonna talk a lot about like we're gonna get into in our second segment, uh, travel and road warriors, because I have a lot to say. with how great a job? I mean, really, uh, I was telling you. We'll get into that, like how great this well, car industry is when it comes to travel, because they I take my hat off to them on that. Coop, yeah. Can
1: we jump since we're already talking about can we just can we kick things off with the open house? Yeah, let's get let's
0: let's, let's let's do that. Then we can kind of come back because I want to talk about uh, what happened after Andy smoked on the beach. So, yeah, yeah. let's go. Co- let's go to your, <laughs> let's go the open house. Let's do that. Do you really we, want to know, we, know that? Yeah. <laughs> yes, we well, <laughs> yes. After after
1: uh, after what happened on the beach, we, we want to fa- we want to dive into that. that. that we're but, gonna get,
0: but I think it's right. We have we have but, stuff along your journey that we're going to cover tonight. So I think it's important. Yeah. All right. Perfect.
1: Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, so so what are we we diving into now? Yeah. So talk to us about a little bit about the open house event. This is the is the second or third.
2: This is the second. So it'll be Saturday, September 17th. We will be opening up our warehouse uh, to anybody and everyone that wants to come and check out the warehouse. Uh, We'll be doing tours. We'll have a bunch of different things set up to show, you know, the Gomez Sanchez family story our story. Uh, it's a great a great chance for ambassadors to meet other fellow ambassadors. So last year, we did the first one and it was kind of developed around um, our anniversary of when we decided that we were going to be a brick and mortar only company, uh, which was in 20, 2020 is when we decided in September that we were just going to build our business with the brick and mortar businesses the family owned businesses of this industry and not um, basically do any business with the big online retailers that are out there uh, that kind of undercut the other retailers that we deal with. So uh, we decided after making that announcement, we're gonna do a yearly open house to celebrate basically. And last year we we did the first one, we invited the ambassadors to come out. Uh, we had a great day. We had, you know, a lot a lot of the guys got together. We had dinner before the night before at Riata. Then we went to, uh, there's a cigar lounge in Fort Worth called Silverleaf, uh, which is pretty popular. We went there and hung out. And then the next day we opened up the warehouse, uh, for all the guys to come. We had Riata cater it, which we had plenty of those beef tamales available. And, uh, we had some other, you know, you know, cocktails for the guys and everybody uh, just got a chance. The really cool thing was all the ambassadors, a lot of, um, a lot of people know that we have this giant ambassador community online and a lot of them had been meeting each other through social media for the last couple of years since we started it especially during the pandemic when everybody was kind of attached to their computers but they had never met they had never really met each other on, in person so it was a really good opportunity for those guys to come out to Weatherford Texas which is just west of Fort Worth and meet each other and I got the chance to attend last year. And I, you know, the leadership team, Dan, Amanda and I, uh, we had a good feeling it would go well, but we were still kind of curious on how the open house would actually go last year and how we would have to like, kind of like command the, uh, the entire event. But I mean, the ambassador just kind of just organically got together, uh, in groups and went to, you know, they went to breakfast together. They had smokes together. They, They went to all the events together and just it was just it was just great to see everybody in person and for them to meet everybody in person. And it was such a fun time that, you know, so many ambassadors are are ready to come back and do it again this year. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of our way of of giving our appreciation back to the ambassadors and, uh, you know, how we appreciate what they do for us. And then also celebrate what we're doing as a company at McAuliffe Cigars. And it was just, it was just a blast last year. And this year we're ready for it again, uh, September 17th. So one thing I'm excited about is last year we didn't have the sales team attend it. Uh, it was just kind of me. And this year we're going to have the whole sales team there. So the ambassadors from different territories, if they have or haven't met their sales reps that represent those territories, they're going to have the opportunity to meet them uh, this year and hang out with them and get to know them. And it'll just be it's going to be a blast it's a lot of fun so i i hope bear that you have a chance to come out and see it because uh, i think you'll i think you'll appreciate it for sure i'm super stoked
0: yeah you know and andy i'm not surprised at all that's kind of organ- organically happened within the Calvin ambassadors group. i mean i'm looking at the show tonight the, the ambassadors have come tonight to support this show and we really appreciate it yeah. thank you to the ambassador community uh it's not taken for granted we appreciate you guys taking the time to do that Uh, But, Andy, do you remember, I mean, because you're a Tennessee guy, do you remember the old Chattanooga tweet ups at all? So I never actually attended any of them.
2: Uh, At the time those were going on, I lived in Texas, uh, you know, down the street from Bear, actually. But I'm familiar with them. They were with, you know, Burns Tobacco did one. I think they did one in, they did it in D.C. too. I'm not quite sure who actually organized the the tweet up, but I know they, I'm familiar with the events.
0: Yeah, it was actually the one in Chattanooga was organized by a guy named David Jones who uh, has a site called Leaf Enthusiast, and he was working at Burns. Um, but it was the same type of thing. It was a lot of people. This was like one of the earliest instances of people online getting together, um, and then they start like you were mentioning how they started to do other things together. That's what happened down in Chattanooga. Like people would get together and they'd have breakfast, and eventually, like people were showing up outside the shop and were smoking at like seven in the morning. It was it was just that type yeah. of community. So. I'm not surprised because, I mean, look, the ambassador community, it's its as strong a community as I have seen um, out there. Um, I mean, it's a, its become an integral part of how you guys do business as well. Yeah. Um, so I'm not surprised. Was... And I think this is a great – people love to see a headquarters, by the way, is what I've found out. They love to go to yeah. company headquarters.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it really was crazy to see last year how – all the ambassadors got together. They have never, a lot of them had never met each other in person, but yet it seemed like they did. It seemed like they knew each other it seemed for like a yeah. couple years. Like they just kind of like had a smoke together. It's like, hey, you know, it, it wasn't even a, let, let me get to know you. It was more right. like, hey, what's going on in your life these days? Like, yeah. you know, it was, it was so cool to see that come together last year in person. Um, I'm so excited to see it again because we're just going to build upon what we did last year as our first time. And these guys are, these guys are organizing, uh, you know, Thursday before the ambassador or before the open house, the ambassadors have already, already organized a golf tournament <laughs> without my help. And then on Friday they've organized some, like, go out and like, you know, they're doing the, they're going to a shooting range and like hanging out there and I'm talking, I'm not just talking to a couple of the guys I'm talking like, you know, 20, 30 of the guys are doing this and it's just amazing so to me.
1: Could be so hard to find a shooting range here in texas i mean that's gonna be well difficult. i think they,
2: <laughs> i think they already have it like set up at defender outdoors or something but like yeah it was just it was crazy to me like to see to see that they were organizing this behind it like you know i didn't have anything to do with that dan didn't have anything to do with that you guys are i'm sure you're familiar with lauren now she's kind of uh been the one that's taken over our social media as of late uh with the departure of sam and she didn't have anything to do with that. It's these guys just organizing this thing as a bunch of friends uh, that all live in different parts of the country. Like they're not even, most of them aren't even driving distance from each other. And it's really, really cool to see uh, them come together for fun stuff.
0: It really is. I, I, I you, I think it's a, I hearing is, I think it's really a beautiful thing to to see that happen. And, um, you know, I would imagine this is the second year. I imagine you're going to have a lot of growth this year when it comes to the main event uh, just from all, because, and I've seen like I said, it's happened like, you know, another event that happened that actually was a great smoke was the same thing with Abe's event. I know you, uh, you were there this year. Yeah. Uh, similar types of things happen where people were come, started to come in like Wednesday. Uh, Lazona Palooza. Like they, they show, people were showing up at Hector's office on Wednesday afternoon and the event didn't start like for another two days. So, so yeah, yeah it, they're, it, they're coming it,
2: in for weeks at a time yeah it's insane
0: so it, 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 it really becomes, yeah it becomes like an experience but you know what andy it, it makes if people coming in like from like the east coast it makes some sense you know hey you know come in and if other people are doing the same thing get together and and organic and make a whole work. week out of it yeah, yeah yeah i think it's a good thing good job yeah. it's a good job by a community on that
2: mm-hmm. yeah and, and the craziest thing to me like i said it's like we didn't we didn't have to like uh what do you call it we didn't have to encourage these guys to do it they just did it on their own yeah because they all love they all love the community and they all love interacting with each yeah. other and they all help each other out like yeah uh, you're familiar with this coop on Monday nights our ambassadors do an ambassador hearth and I've yeah. seen it you know I've seen it 40 plus people deep on a random yeah. Monday night just getting together to smoke cigars with each other yeah. in different parts of the country so it's it really is fantastic, awesome. and it really makes me proud uh, to work for this company and to, you know, be part of the ambassador group. I love it.
0: Yeah, I really like the, do. I, and I, like I, you
2: I, said, they're showing up. They're showing up tonight. They're all. They're they, all here they watching really, this they, and they supporting re- this.
0: They really are. They really, like I said, uh, I, I I have the comments. I'm having a problem reading the comments now, um bear. But I what well, hashtags correct. <laughs> Hashtags are correct. yeah you This is why yeah, their community is uh this is ego. We don't have to worry about that. It's actually you no know, it's actually kind of funny. It, it's the problem hashtag I, Andy. Andy, Andy, Andy. Yeah, the problem I think sometimes with the coop audience, they're, they're so excited to answer they, they don't wait for me to the <laughs> question, but now I think we got them a little better. But uh, but that's great, yeah. So um, but again, thank you to the ambassador community for uh you know allowing us to share this. Um and be a part of what you're doing tonight. Um, because it means it means a lot. And like I said, I've I've gotten to watch this community. Um and, and Andy, I'll be honest, with you, and I've said it to Dan, I didn't know if this was gonna work when I first heard about a community. I've seen other companies try it and fail. And you I'm sure you have as well. Um, mm-hmm. but by far, this is I mean, I can't think of a more successful one um than you guys have had. And it's a growing one, it's a healthy one, and uh yeah.
2: It's a um, you know, history you know, too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know what, you know, it's crazy coop. Like when I first came on board with McAllen cigars, I thought it, I thought it was a great idea. And this was before we had any real social media presence or anything like that. And what really took off was during COVID when everybody couldn't go out, they had to sit at home and we were able to provide with our, you know, we had a, we have a much smaller platform at that point, but it's still enough to really do what we needed to do and provide the around the clock type of entertainment that we provided to the ambassadors, really help them, uh, really help build the community and help grow their trust in what we were doing, uh, which was, I mean, no one really wanted the pandemic, let's be honest, no one really wanted that change of life that we've all had to dealt with the last three years. But for McAuliffe Cigars, you know, we saw an opportunity to really embrace our community and grow it. And so we did, you know, the off the records. We did the McAuliffe Madness. We did the Ambassador Roundtables. I I, I mean, I spent three weeks, uh, six days a week in front of this computer doing, you know, live shows where I had both of you featured on one of our live shows. Yeah, And the ambassadors just freaking ate it up. And it's something they'll never forget and they'll never stop appreciating uh, that we were able to bring cigar industry information to them that they normally wouldn't get. You know, they could read a magazine or whatever. But we were like, hey, you know, you're part of the ambassador group. Let me bring on Cigar Coop and showcase what he does to this community. Let me bring on Bear and showcase what he does to this community Let me bring on, you know, X guy from X company and showcase what he does to this community. And they loved it. And we had this captive audience that just continued to build and to continue to grow even past COVID. And it it was huge for that community. I mean, I think we'd have a successful community now just because of the way we put effort into it. But I don't think it would be anywhere near as successful as it is without that opportunity that we seized during that you know, two months, three months where everybody was basically sitting at home twiddling their thumbs, not knowing what to do. And we wanted to provide them some sort of, you know, educational entertainment in this industry that they love. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of work, but it, it really worked out for us.
0: Yeah. You know, the other thing I'll say too, is it's a positive community. I think that's the other thing I like that for the most part, uh, Mm -hmm. like what we've seen, you know, you know, and I've seen a lot of Facebook groups and like sometimes not go that way. It has been positive. Yeah. Um and I think um that has been a big plus. And you mentioned another thing is I think that COVID thing I don't want to I don't like to say lemons out of lemonade lemonade out of lemons rather. But um a lot of people got to know not only about your products but the people behind those products. Yeah. And when it was time to kind of get back to doing things the way they were. I'm not going to use the word "bear," the NN word, uh, but get back to the way that things were. Now there was a a trust with the people behind these products. um, Because a lot of people got to know who you guys were. um, And they saw how you guys played with the rest of the industry. You like, it was very because like you, you had a lot of industry people on these were industry. Uh, these were agnostic conversations as far as like, these weren't like McAuliffe shows. I mean, a lot, I don't want to say they weren't McAuliffe product shows. I mean, you go on, you have someone, a guest on, you'd be talking about their thing the whole night. And uh, I, I don't Absolutely. think, we, I don't think, I think you guys were really the first to do that. Um, with all due respect to the Fuente Mirafal, I think came along maybe around the same time, but, or, or a little before, but for the most part, you, you were the two brands that really did that is what I noticed.
2: Yeah, I mean, we weren't, we weren't oblivious to the fact that every one of our ambassadors smokes other cigars, other brands. Like, I I mean, there could be a couple of them that smoke exclusively McAuliffe, but I I don't think there's many of them. I personally, like, I love my brand and I love smoking my own stuff, but I smoke other people's cigars. I love them. Yeah. And I respect the industry and I respect what people put into this product because I know exactly what is behind What goes into this product. So I love trying other people's uh, brands and learning about other people's brands. And I know my ambassadors do too. So we were all about inviting other people on and having them showcase their brand. And I don't know if you remember, but like there was a lot of those shows where I would personally go out and purchase their cigars to smoke on that show. Oh, yeah. So that way I could be like, hey, tell me what I'm smoking. Tell me, you know, what I'm going to get out of this. Tell me about the story behind this this blend that I'm, I'm going into and it was educational for me as well as it was for my ambassadors. And it was, it was so much fun getting, so I learned so much and I, I created so many relationships during that time that has been invaluable uh, to my growth as a leader and our growth as a company as McAuliffe Cigars. Yeah. you. Well,
1: I was going to say just a mm-hmm. real quick, the, you were talking about the positivity of it and just to go back to coop's point Andy about how um, you know how other companies have tried this and failed I'm gonna disagree with Coop for just a second I don't think they have failed I think they hit a point of like they hit this this the stagnant point because they didn't know what to do they
0: didn't know what to do with that it's point. a fair I think that's more fair the way you're saying that yes
1: and what, yes. but what's really what's really incredible about this is you guys had a vision of where you wanted to take it but you wanted to you wanted to hand it over at some point back to the people who built it and you've done that and that's i think that's where the real story is and i think that's where it's really magnificent is that it's become this old like you said this own organic thing like the way the open house is like you know evolved into this multi-day event with stuff Mm -hmm. that you're like you're not even aware of like it, it it's 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 incredible it really is it's an incredible thing
2: it's really fun to watch. It really is. And uh, I mean, I, I talked to some of these ambassadors and it's crazy to me because they become good. They've become like really good friends with each other. Uh, I'll, uh, you know, I'll do an event within an area and I'll have an ambassador reach out and say, hey, I'm coming and I've reached out to so-and-so and they're coming too. I was like, oh, you reached out to them? And they're like, yeah, I talk to them all, all the time. I'm like, I mean, it's it's crazy to see You know, we always talk about how the cigar industry brings people together. I've heard that since day one in this industry. I mean, I didn't come from the cigar industry. I was lucky to get into it. But from day one, it's like a cigar brings people together from all walks of life. And you're like sitting there. I was like, yeah, whatever. Like the first time I got into it, I was like, okay, whatever. It's it's a cool thing, but I don't believe it. And really to see that every day with the ambassadors – in my uh in my community it's it's a real thing it made me a believer real quick
0: yeah no it's uh like i said i i've uh, been blown away from what i've seen on it um you know it's just like i said it's it's something that uh you guys should be very very uh proud of and and you know it it's um like i said, it's just amazing i i'm just i continue to be astonished you know i've seen you know, now a couple of the guys are starting like their own podcasts and stuff like that. So I mean, yeah, I, yeah Bill White and Jeff, um, so I Dillingham. Mean, Dillingham, Dillingham, rigged, rigged now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rigged. rigged. That's <laughs> a whole
2: <laughs> other story.
0: We need yeah. another. We need another show for. Oh, I, I, yeah. Well, he <laughs> introduced himself to me right at, at Great Smoke and I'll be, and he said, "You don't recognize me, do you?" And I'm like, "I do," but I'm like, "I'm not thinking any And he says, "Rigged." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, he's a good
0: dude. No, 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 He was a very good dude. So uh and he was just checking out uh big he's a big part of uh you know these community, which which you see a lot of these guys out in the community now and they introduce themselves to you. Um and uh it's great. It really yeah. is. Yeah. So, so go ahead, Bear.
1: Well, I was just gonna say, you know, Andy bled right into it with when he was talking about how, you know, he you know, he he was, you know, this wasn't this wasn't your first professional foray, you know, you got into the cigar industry much like Coop and I did too. Like this wasn't something we started off in and everything, but uh, you like, you know, after the beach, you, you, you started you were in, you were in hospitality for, for a number of years, right?
2: Yeah, actually, I spent 10 years with the uh, Hilton company and um, you know, so I graduated from UCF university of central Florida uh, with a hospitality degree. And I went to go work for Hilton. Uh, And they move me around. Uh, If you want to move up in a hotel industry, you got to move around. So, you know, I started in Orlando where I grew up, moved to Miami for a little bit. They moved me to Nashville for a little bit. And then they moved me to Texas for a little bit. And then, you know, one thing that, you know, I, you know, I treasure about my time in the hospitality industry is, you know, focus on customer service. So when I came into the cigar industry and I you know I had a relationship with Jonathan Carney, which a lot of people on this video know who, who know who that is. You guys both know who that is. Uh, he's a vice president of sales for La Florida Minicana. Uh Him and I went to college together at University of Central Florida. And I, he kind of recruited me to come you know to come into the industry. And at first, I started with La Florida Dominicana in the Texas market. Uh, and I, you know, I love Carney to death. It's one of my best friends. And he, he kept saying, he's like, Hey, take your customer service background that you learned from Hilton and apply it to the cigar industry. And, you know, I did that from day one and there's, you know, there's a lot of customer service oriented things you need to do in this industry, like taking care of your retailers, taking care of your consumers, um, you know, gaining their trust is a huge part of it. And, you know, I have found that very successful for me is taking that, you know, 10 years of experience in the hospitality industry uh, and the customer service aspect of it into this career and making sure that I take care of my retailers and take care of my consumers and take care of, you know, people that, you know, that that take care of me, basically. And, you know, as I've developed into a sales leader, it's the same thing with my staff and just making sure that, you know the service is the, is the number one aspect. Uh, and it's all about gaining trust with, with, uh, with anybody that you're doing business with. Uh, but yeah, the, the Hilton, the Hilton career was definitely, uh, important to me in the beginning. I, you know, I hit a wall in that industry where I wanted to explore something else and the opportunity just kind of was there for me, uh, to get into this industry and cigars were something that I fell in love with from that day on the beach. Uh, I went, I nosedived into smoking cigars all the time, uh, you know, five, six, seven a week. Now I'm smoking, you know, three or four a day, which is much different. But, uh, you know, at that, you know, for a normal consumer, that's, you know, that's that's a little above average. And I, I just fell in love with the product, and I fell in love with everything that had to do with it. So once the opportunity was presented to me, I was like, I jumped into it. You know, there you knew me before I worked for LFD, right? Like, sure. I, I would go to Michael's. I lived right down the street from Michael's of Ulis. And, I, you know, me and, uh, you know, me and um, my ex, uh, my ex were in there, you know, at least every week. Basically, mm-hmm. every Friday, we were in there smoking cigars. I loved it. I loved the industry. I wanted to be part of it. Uh, once the opportunity came to me, I jumped in, and, you know, I haven't looked back. And I really wanted, once I got into it and developed relationships and developed a love for the industry... I really wanted to see how, you know, how far I could go with it and how, how I could help, you know, a certain company grow or build or anything like that. It just was a desire of mine from the beginning. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where it's led me to where I'm with a great company, of cigars, and we, we care about our retailers. We care about our consumers. We care about our staff and I'm loving it. I'm really loving it. I just kind of want to build on it.
1: I remember what your first cigar was as a La Florida Minacana employee. And what was that? It was a Mysterio. And it was actually the Mysterio back then before the name changed.
2: Yes, it was. You were right. So before I was an employee, I walked into Michael's of Keller and had an NAS because Carney told me to try one. And I'm like, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) And then I I jumped to the chapter one. I'm like, okay, this is LFD. I mean, NAS is a great smoke, but it's different. We all know it's a little different. (laughs) um and then the mysterio yes was that first day i remember i i was offered the job i think on friday and that saturday i came by michael's and lit up a mysterio and i was ready to go you know i think monday was my first day i was ready to go but yeah that was that was it
0: (laughs) very nice very nice um -hmm. how long were you at lfd for so I was with LFD for about
2: four and a half years. Yeah,
0: you know, a while. That's so why. Is it?
2: Yeah, living in the DFW area, my territory uh, was Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, western Missouri, New Mexico, and Arizona. So I was a little bit all over the place. I mean, a lot of people will say Texas is five states in its own, which it really is. But uh, I had a lot. Of, I had a lot of fun with LFD. Um, like I said, Carney was a dear friend of mine since college. Uh, So that was, it was great working for a friend of mine and it's great working for a company that has a fantastic product. Uh, There's, there's no, you can't really say anything negative about their product. It's great. Uh, They really helped me, you know, the best thing about LFD is it really helped me because it is such a good product and a good company that people want to be exposed to. It helped me, you know, meet a lot of people in the industry and, and develop relationships with important people in this industry and go from there. And when, you know, when it came time to leave La Florida Minicana, I, I had developed a lot of great relationships with people in this industry that are helping me out today uh, in my role here. And it's, it's gone a long way for sure. So I will always appreciate everything they did for me.
0: Very true. Barry, you, I know you wanted it was something you wanted to talk about before we move to the next part of Andy's. I, I know you're no longer a part of the, the company, Andy. But it, I mean, it, it, there's a recent
1: event with La that's kind of taken the industry by by storm to a certain extent. I just wanted to know if you had any thoughts on the the, the NFT craze that uh, that they've created with the uh, um, you know in just the last couple of weeks and everything. Uh, it seemed to go excred- incredibly well, but I wanted to you know you know as a former insider, I suppose wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, was it something you kind of got ex- excited to see your old friend, Carney, get involved with and get excited about, or
2: just, just curious? It, it really, it really was. The first time I heard about it, I was like, what, what are they doing? Like, I didn't really, I still fully don't know understand. what it is, but that's fine. <laughs> I, I still didn't understand it, but I mean, it just, and they were, you know, they right. said that if you buy this, you get the opportunity to purchase, I, I, what 70, is it 70 cigars a month? So like it's 840 yeah. cigars of this. You know, um, I think it's a long, stale size of the uh, Andalusian. Andalusian bull, which, you know, obviously has been an amazing success for them, that blend. And, you know, the first time I saw it, I was like, I, I just, I don't, I didn't fully get it. But then when I saw a few of them sell, I was like, holy, holy crap. Like they, they're they onto something here. And it was it was fun to watch the bidding process uh, that they had with with a lot of these guys uh, I thought it was fantastic that um, the success they had for, from it, and I mean, I, honestly, I'm I'm a little jealous. I wish we could do something like that. Like that's that's it's it's a crazy success story uh, that they were able to do that with just seven of these tokens. You know, at first I thought maybe it was a lot of work for just a few, you know, seven different people. But then, I mean, they they proved me wrong. They showed that there's there's a lot of demand for that, and I I. I tip my cap to them. They, they did a fantastic job advertising it and executing the entire NFT process. And I'm excited to see, I'm really excited to see when the cigars go out there, like what the retailers. I mean, because I think five, at least five of the seven were retailer or distributor based, and then two of them were anonymous. So I'm not sure who they were, uh, but I'm interested to see the follow through of the product actually getting out there and what happens with it. Because if it, if it rewards these retailers as well as I think it's going to do, I mean, that's a great story. It's a fantastic story. Now, will anybody else be able to mimic it? I, I, don't, I don't know. But hats off to them for trying it and, uh, and being successful with it right off the bat before anybody else thought of it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. is like, uh, you know, Abe just announced his today. Um, so I've been, look, I, I've been partnered with Abe for a while. And I'll never, this is a guy who I don't think understood it either. And with all due respect to Abe, I think he'll admit that. Because, I mean, I'll just remember, he had on a cryptocurrency expert once on the show. (laughs) And he was as big a doubter of this whole thing as possible. But um, I think what happened is he saw the excitement that happened with La Florida Medicana. And he's, you know, and he's always kind of doing some creative use. Now, he's going to be doing it with a store exclusive release. Which is very different, right? Because you know, uh, but it's but you know, as far as store exclusive releases go, which which bear and people know I'm not a big fan of, right? You got two people who really do them right though, from a retail and from a manufacturing perspective with Pete Johnson. So uh yeah. in this case, I think it has a high probability of it's gonna be very successful. I, I don't have any doubt about it, given well, uh, the people who are involved with it. When I was with LFD, we did a lot of
2: store exclusives and uh you know event exclusive cigars that were very successful and very you guys were popular. good at you guys
0: you guys were very, we were good, very at, good at it
2: yeah. i think we hit i think they hit a point where they couldn't really yeah. manage it anymore because they were getting too popular um but there was a time yeah i mean my last couple of years there we did a lot of them that were a lot of fun to work with um several different festival cigars that i still have in my you know humidor here that are aging quite nicely but They were a lot of fun. And then you got the football cigar in there, too, uh, which was a great experience for me because I had uh, a part in that uh, with the release of the football cigar. And I got to deal with it twice. Uh, But I was the one uh, it was my territory that released the original
0: football cigar, which at first
2: was, you know, me and Carney just basically throwing ideas up in the air while we were hanging out at a cigar shop. We're like, hey, what if we did this?
0: Arizona, Arizona, right?
2: It was in Arizona. We were hanging out in a cigar shop and we were like, hey, you know, what if we did this? And at first it was like, you know, it brings us, it gives us a, a reason to come out to the area for, you know, the big event that was going on. But we figured, you know, no one else had tried this before. So let's, let's see what could happen. And I mean, it was a wild success that first one and managing it was a lot of fun. And then it just kind of blew up from there. And then I got to manage the Texas one when the Super Bowl was in Houston. And it was, it was a play. It was a pleasure to be involved, uh, with different projects like that. And, you know, I hope, I hope, uh, you know, I'm confident as we grow here at McAuliffe, uh, we'll be able to do some fun things like that as well, uh, in the coming years, but it was, yeah, th- those memories will always be with me.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing I'd say that you guys did well at the floor and, you know, another thing i picked on, but I think, um, LeFleur does it, is the TAA cigars for sure. Mm. Uh, and I've been very critical of those, but I think LeFleur is one of, I'd say we always say LeFleur, Crown Heads and Tatuaya, probably the three that, who of the companies that do it year after year, they do they yeah. really don't get, get it, how to do it. Yeah.
2: We did, um, one of the years I was there was kind of the year that we decided to embrace the TAA movement where we had the TAA cigar and then we developed Carney had developed a TAA program event program where if you did the event program, you got a special edition TAA cigar, which was different than the regular TAA cigar. And I mean, we did, you know, 50, 60 events that year with, with TAA retailers revolved around that, that special edition cigar. And the, the craze for it was amazing and it was it was it was basically lfd's investment in the taa program which is a big it's a big deal in this industry it's a huge program it's 70 you know retailers of the of this country that are pretty much the highest respected retailers of the country for the most part uh and we invested in them and it i mean it 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 did well it did very well for the florida minicana that year yeah. and and i had a lot of fun i mean i you know, being I had the largest market, I think I had the most TA retailers. Uh, so, I mean, it it meant a lot of events, but it was a lot of fun
0: that year with that special cigar. See, and, and this is a really key thing, you know, again, because I'm, I'm called a T.A. hater, but there's so much investment that goes into the program that you guys do. Uh, not just with the cigars, not just a it but you could just see what you were just talking. There was a whole experience program that was developed yeah. around these cigars, and that's the way you approach this. Um, and that's why you know Lafleur's TA cigars do very. I mean, the cigars have always been excellent, but on top of that, they do very well for a reason. Um, and I think this is this is a, that's a great example of, of you know, and Absolutely. hearing that, being reminded of that uh, was actually key for me as well.
2: Yeah. And, you know, at McAuliffe, we're still, you know, we're still young at this. We're still, a little, you know, maybe a couple of years away from being involved with the TAA program. Uh, But experience like that will help me uh, develop, you know, with, you know, with Dan and Amanda, some really good ideas. So that way we can do some really creative things for the TAA program as we grow as a company, because that is definitely somewhere we want to, uh, you know,
0: grow uh, with those retailers as we as we move forward. I think you guys are eligible now. Um, yeah, i I think you guys, you have to have five years, but I think. It's yeah.
2: five years, and I think you have to be carried by 75% of the TAA accounts, and you have to be nominated. Nominated, and, yeah. And yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, it's something that I know, you know, the last few years we've really – You know, we really have put concentration on our factory and our production. And last year, we put a lot of effort into expanding our rolling team, expanding our manufacturing process to where we can be able to meet demand for where we want to grow. Um, And this year was a little bit of a spillover into that to where, you know, I really think next year and the year after that, we can really focus on grabbing things uh, like being part of TAA because it is important to us
0: very good
1: so andy we know that you when you uh left texas you were really bummed to leave behind your beloved cowboys which is ultimately one of the one of the decisions that led you back led you back to texas by joining McAuliffe. but in between that (laughs) in between that you you uh you had a, a stop at a pretty prestigious company that uh uh, let's just say the last couple years, uh, the last couple of years of its existence were uh, were quite the ride, quite the journey. You joined Nat Sherman for a bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, that experience and uh, what uh, w- what that was like.
2: So yes, I, I did leave Texas. Um, however, I did not leave the Cowboys behind. There, I am still a season ticket holder, so I will be attending games as I can, and I still love the Cowboys. That's, however, that's lo- yes, that is,
1: I- that's loyalty. There you it's go. very much loyalty.
2: I, I will be at a couple games this year that I've saved tickets for, but um, yes, I did go and work for Nat Sherman. They gave me the opportunity to uh, be able to relocate to Tennessee, um, and you know, I got the opportunity to work for Michael Herklotz, which is one of the most. He's one of the most respected guys in this industry, and one of the most stand-up guys in this industry. And it was, it was. It was a brief stint that I worked with Nat Sherman, but it was a, you know, I was able to learn a little bit from his professionalism and his way that he handles the industry, which is bar none. I mean, I don't know many people that are as respected and can do a great a job as handling the way he does when he comes to talking about just how his passion is for this industry. Uh, and I will never forget the time that I spent with him. Um, but I mean, it was a brief time. I enjoyed working for them for a little bit, but I, you know, honestly, I had to, uh, I found a situation where I had to move on and um, it was unfortunate that, you know, what ended up happening to Nat Sherman ended up happening to them. Uh, But I am so freaking happy for where Herklotz is taking, I mean, his blends. I mean, you think about it, the Nat Sherman name was there. However, he's the one that created a lot of those blends. And he created the legacy behind Timeless and basically Metropolitan and those TA cigars. He had his hand in those blendings and those kind of things. So when I found out that Nat Sherman was closing down, I was sad about it, very sad about it. But then, you know, a few months later, when I found out that he was going to be able to take what he had created, basically and go his own path with it, I was super happy for him. And I'm, you know, I go around to cigar shops, you know, every day, all day. And I see Fieri Otego, if I'm saying it right, um, on these shelves and people people are loving it. Like, I mean, he was, he's such a great pioneer of this industry and he was really restricted by his situation when, you know, when Altria was owning Nat Sherman, uh, that I felt bad for him. So I'm glad that he doesn't have to worry about that anymore, and he can go in and do his own thing. And he's got Davidoff distributing his project product, which is, you know, one of the best companies out there that can do that. Uh, might as well ride with it and and see where it goes. And I'm seeing a lot of people now have respect for his product where they should have had respect for it before. But given the situation, they, you know, it was kind of limited. So I'm very happy with Herklotz and what he's doing uh, for the industry. And I, I appreciate my my time with Nat Sherman. I got the chance to see the townhouse, and I got a chance to develop a relationship with Michael Herklotz, uh, which will always be valuable to me.
0: Oh, glad you got to see the townhouse, too. Um, it was mm-hmm. one of the iconic stops in New York City.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, it was a gorgeous place. I never saw the original one, but the, uh, the one that we're in for the last several years was... Beautiful, beautiful place. And the amount of the way it was ran was such a well-oiled machine. It it was very impressive Um, going in there. The experience that any consumer would have from walking in the door to walking out the door was bar none uh, what you would get in pretty much any store or operation in the cigar industry anywhere in the country. And it was very impressive.
0: Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about Michael, um, what he did with the products, what he did with the distribution at Nat Chairman, Uh, the retail end again, you know, because it wasn't always for a while. Andy, going into the Nat Chairman townhouse wasn't a great experience and it was kind of getting it was a little disappointing. And and when Michael came in, he kind of brought that whole, uh, you know, that customer service vibe from Davidoff over. And it quickly turned around um, like yeah. within, within weeks. I mean, when he started getting there um, and uh, the other the other store was like up the block. It was at the corner. But but the but I actually think the new location was the nicer the locations. Uh, it's just it was laid out better. Um, oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know.
2: Does anyone know what's there now? Is it just an empty spot?
0: I'll like have a, to fu- probably I thought- something
2: depressing, like a baby gap or something.
0: Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I was hoping to find that out my last trip to New York and I didn't get a chance to do that. So I'm uh, curious but-
2: because it was built out so well for anybody, for any random business to go in there and try to rearrange it would be challenging. So I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah. But yeah, it was beautiful. I got the opportunity when I, when I trained, uh, you know, Herklots made made you spend a full day there watching the operation, uh, and it just—I mean—it blew you away. It really did. the The whole aura of the place was special.
0: Yeah, it 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 really it really is. Um, you know, it was the, the only disappointing thing about it wasn't open late. That was the but it really what the problem is is other things in New York to do uh, at yeah. night. Um, and there are some cigar places that are open late that had bars and everything. Um, you know, Carnegie Club comes to mind. Uh, so that's that's kind of the, the and that's kind of the there. But you but what was good about it is um they were open till seven. So if you were done at like four four thirty, you still had time to get that uh to get a cigar. To get the, what I call the happy hour cigar. Yeah. So I, I when I got up there I conveniently would always would always get there. Um You know what
2: you know what I want to know what happened to? Did you go down to the private lounge? Yes. When you were there? Yes. I want to know what happened to that crate of Padron Millennials. Like I want to know what happened to that. Because they had in between the lockers, they had that display yeah. case, yeah, with an entire crate, which I think was a hundred cigars of the Padron Millennials just sitting there for display. I want to know what happened to that. Did Mike get check, check my home's living room? Yeah, oh, did he?
0: I completely forgot about that, TV. but you know they were doing a liquidation of that.
2: Uh, was that up for auction? Because I, I should that. have. I wanted to be involved in that.
0: I think. Well, I think everything went for sale because you know they it wasn't just Nat Sherman products they had there.
2: Yeah. No,
0: they had a little bit of everything.
2: Yeah. But I never, I never heard anything or saw anything about what happened to that crate because that was probably the most valuable thing, uh, cigar wise, that was in that building.
0: Yeah, I could I completely forgot about that one. When you know we mm-hmm. and we did so many shows with him uh on that. So uh
2: next time you st- you have him you'll have to ask him that question. I'm curious. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: You know that's so, that brings up another thing too Andy cuz like you know the fact you know like with with all respect to present company and and the, the wonderful and people in this industry but you've really had a great opportunity for in my opinion working for two of the most like genuine people that I've ever met in this industry. And that's saying something because I mean, there's some, there's some fabulous people in this industry, but Michael being one of them. And then, uh, you know, now you get to work alongside Dan Thompson, uh, Mm -hmm. who I just think is one of the most genuine people I've ever met in my life. I mean, just people doesn't, not even related to cigars and Michael's the same way. Yeah. Uh, And I I know Dan didn't bring you on. You were actually brought on to McAuth by uh, another mutual friend of ours, uh, Trey Mm -hmm. Andrews. So, so talk a little bit about that transition from, from Nat Sherman to, coming back to your rightful place with a Texas-based company
2: yeah well when I left when I left Natch German I didn't know what I wanted to do I actually went out and got my you know real estate license I was just gonna stay out of the industry
0: so so you and, wait wait let me interrupt so you were really on. one of those guys who said I'm gonna explore other opportunities. Yes. Okay. I, won. okay, okay. <laughs> this, because, I was one of those guys yes. okay, and I did, I did explore yep, the I'm, I'm giving you that. That's why I'm giving you this one. Yes. Okay. Continue.
2: <laughs> so, you know, I was, I think it was February time period. And, uh, Trey had reached out to me and also Al himself had reached out to me. I, I had developed a relationship with Al from my time at LFD because he would come to the, uh, the events that I would do in the area with, you know, with the intentions of buying with Forte he seemed, He liked it at the time. And I just had talked to him and developed a relationship. And, um, you know, they both come to me and said, Hey, you know, what are your thoughts on coming back to the industry? Uh, McAuliffe is thinking about really ramping up a sales team and getting, you know, getting more brand awareness out there. Uh, so they they both reached out to me and said, Hey, do you want to come on board? Now at first I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know much about the cigars. I don't know. And, you know, Trey was like, well, I'll send you a, I'll send you a sampler set, you know, go ahead try it out. Let me know what you think. Uh, and let's meet, you know, let's get back together in a week. And I tried the samplers, you know, I smoked the cigars. I like, yeah, these, these cigars are pretty good. You know, honestly, I hadn't tried. Uh, I don't think I had tried any Macau cigars prior to that. Maybe the Leenda, uh, cause that was on the market prior to even McAuliffe uh, joining with Gomez Sanchez. And I really enjoyed the smokes. And I was like, you know, I I really miss the industry. You know, it was funny because I left the industry for four months. There wasn't a week that went by without someone reaching out to me saying, when are you coming back? You know, it was was all random people. I had some guys, you know, a few people try to recruit me, but it was just it was never the right situation, in my opinion, to, to want to jump back in. So when these two guys did and said what they wanted to do with the brand, um, I said, why not? Let's go ahead. Let's try it out. I love the brand. I love Al McAuliffe. Uh, it's such a great guy. I love working for him. And I love you know the resources that they were going to give us to grow as a company. Like It was going to be a long road. I knew right off the bat that it wasn't going to be like a snap of the finger. We're going to be... You know amazing overnight it was going to be a lot of work to do but I was willing to do it and they wanted to give me you know the territory that I desired I didn't want a crazy territory but I wanted a territory that I could work with and grow with they gave me that opportunity and I said why not I no, I don't I don't look back I love coming back to the industry I loved uh, the people in this industry and you know within a week or two I was like man I really miss this I really miss uh, the guys that I was work with and the culture and that kind of thing and uh, you know, just dove, dove right in and was, was happy to be with McAuliffe and, uh, you know, did my territory for a year and then had the opportunity to, you know, to move up to national sales director, which is, you know, something that I did in the hotel industry. I managed, you know, teams of people in the hotel industry. And, you know, I always wanted to be, uh, you know, a leader and see people underneath me succeed. That always drives me. Uh, to see, you know, to see my employees succeed and set them up for, for success. And I, you know, it just one thing led to another, you know, Barry, it was when I jumped in, I didn't know what to expect from a And as you know, the first six months, there were some other changes that were made uh, with my time with McAuliffe to where I wasn't even sure what to expect after that. And then, you know, everything just came into place. And I was told that they were invested in me and And I wanted to be invested in them and let's see what we can build this into. And it's been nothing but a blast since then. It's been a great ride.
3: So,
0: Yeah, so Andy, what what year did you actually join McAuliffe?
2: So it was 2019, it was before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, It was February, 2019 is when I joined McAuliffe and I was doing the Southeast territory, uh, through December. And then I was promoted to national sales Director in January. And we had this great plan of how we were going to build the company in 2020, uh, you know, inside and out, and then COVID happened. And so we had to, we had to, um, pivot. And, you know, that's when we did the social media stuff and that kind of thing. And then we went back in after uh, after COVID. And that's when we really focused on, you know, building the foundation of the company that we have today and making the decisions of, you know, building with brick and mortars and, uh, you know, going that way, pro-business and that kind of thing. And building with our consumer base through the ambassador group and yada, yada, yada.
0: So you were at that trade show in that 2019 trade show, um, which was the one prior to this year's that you were were at, right? So it was, it was after that trade show that McAuliffe as a company, they had a look in the mirror and basically they had to make a lot of these tough decisions and changes. Did, I mean, did you see these changes coming and like, um, how at the time did you feel about that? You know, because that, you know, look when, when, when a change, when changes happen in a company, you, you know how it is. You, you just don't know what the uh, future could be, obviously. So, um, but sometimes they're very necessary I, too.
2: I always had to trust uh, at that point in time, 2019, I had at the trade show. I had just met, you know, Dan Thompson had just been introduced as our president. So I just met him at that time. I was still just a territory manager. And, you know, we had decisions to make because we weren't happy with the way the company was going. We weren't happy with our performance, with, you know, a lot of different things about it. We knew we had to make some changes. And I said, you know, I, I met Dan at that trade show and I got, you know, talking to him and I realized that his vision aligned with my vision for where we needed to take McAuliffe in the future. And we just we had to make the decision to, Hey, we're going to invest in our sales team. We're going to invest in the company. We're going to invest in market. We're going to take money away from these things that aren't working and invest it into the things that, you know, within our company. So like we stopped, you know, Selling the CI, we stopped advertising with Cigar Aficionado. We took that money and we're like, okay, well, let's invest it back in the company. Let's create a sales team that can be boots on the ground, brand awareness in stores, that can do events, that can engage with these ambassadors that we have. And when I was told all that plan, I was like, okay, well, I'm I'm down for that. And, and we all knew it was going to take a little bit of time, and yeah. none of us saw COVID coming. Absolutely not. Uh, but we knew that. We had this right avenue of where we wanted to go as a company. And we just needed to execute on it. So, like when I left that trade show in 2019, I I didn't know where we were going to be, but Dan and Al were very good about within a week or so saying, Hey, Andy, we want you part of this team. We want you part of this future. This is where we want to go. Do you believe in it? And I said, Yes, I do believe in it. And let's make it happen. So we went ahead and make it happen, and you know we decided after that show that we needed a year away from the show to invest more money back into the sales team, into the foundation of the company. We knew we had to redo the factory because you know if we were going to supply the demand that we wanted to supply, we needed to add rollers. We needed to add, um, you know staff just in the factory we had to add these you know other you know we had this beautiful factory that we were only using you know 25 percent of we had so much of the room to expand into we needed to use it but we had to invest in it too so grabbing the staff and hiring the people and you know alan davis is the president of the factory is such a great uh great um, underappreciated guy for our company. And not a lot of people know who he is, uh, but he has been the one that's been down there every other month, basically, developing the foundation of the factory, making sure that we hired the appropriate rollers. Uh, you know, obviously with the Gomez-Sanchez family help and getting the factory clean and getting it organized to where we can pump out these cigars to supply our demand. Because one of our biggest things is we want to be able to supply our retailers with the product they need. Yeah. Uh, you know, back orders is a very common phrase in this industry or a very common term in this industry, yes. and we want to avoid it at all costs. Like, it's great if we have some of them; that's a good thing. Uh, but we don't want you know half of our portfolio not being able to be delivered to our customers, or else you know we're just not going to be able to grow. And so that is where we have focused on: hey, let's make sure that we have the rollers tobacco is purchased ahead of time and all this stuff is processed so we can deliver it to our consumers. And uh, that's, you know, it took a little while, it took a year and a half, you know, to, to develop this, but we're really at a point right now where we are ready to go. We have plenty of product in Weatherford, Texas to ship out. Uh, we are in the process of acquiring a bonded warehouse uh, where we can, you know, increase that amount of product too, that we're able to deliver to our guys because, you know, with COVID and the shortages and everything that's out there, you know, we, we have inventory. We have inventory to ship uh, to these guys so that they can put quality products on their shelf. And we believe in what the Gomez Sanchez family is doing. They make a fantastic product uh, that the construction is bar none, in my opinion, and the flavor is great. And it's just about making sure that we continue and increase the awareness of this, of this product and make sure that people know it's available. So we've really invested our time and attention into making sure that 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 is available to them.
0: Yeah, you guys really have. I mean, you've taken, like I said, you have this you know this family that's been doing this for a long time, and now you guys really put an operation behind it, right? To supply, you know, which which was a, an essential thing to do. Yeah. And a lot, uh, a
2: lot of people don't
0: know about the past of the Gomez Sanchez
2: family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've been they've been in the Cigar industry since the 1930s, Uh, Pedro Gomez, the patriarch of the company, you know, worked alongside of Castro in Cuba uh, for years. And then McDalia was the same way, uh, which is his daughter. And they, you know, they fled Cuba in the 60s, just like a lot of people that we buy cigars from nowadays, uh, fled Cuba. And uh, they they settled down in Mexico uh, where they had their own farm and factory in Mexico for several years until, unfortunately, the Mexican government seized a lot of people's farms and factories back in the 90s. Uh, and then they had to flee and go to Nicaragua. But they've been, you know, the tobacco industry culture and DNA has been in their family for almost 100 years, basically. And now we have Joelle and Adele, which are MacDahlia's kids. Uh is still involved. You know, they're the ones behind the process now. They're still sourcing tobacco from our from our farms that we had in Mexico, um, even though they were seized. We kept relationships with the people that overtook them, and we have a intricate part in the tobacco that comes from those farms and what what is grown and what is purchased and what is all that good stuff. They still have a lot to do with with that process and bringing it to Nicaragua and putting in our cigars today. So, if you look through our portfolio, we use a lot of San Andreas uh in our portfolio for wrapper, Sumatra and Habano, which is not overly used, uh but it's it's stuff we take pride in and it's, you know, it's stuff that they have had in their family history for years. And it's it shows. They know what they're doing and we we totally love what they're, you know, we love the partnership and they make such a great product that we're so proud and honored to be partnered with them.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's a, I think, like I said, I think you guys have, it's a very unique story too. There's not a lot like that has, you know, there's a lot of families who go back like a century, but like I said, I think what you guys have done in the, in the last few years, you know, like I said, building Mm -hmm. this operation around it, you know, you talked about Alan coming in there as well. Um, and you know you're combining this artisan craftsmanship with 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 a very healthy business uh, process. Yeah. And well, uh, well
2: people yeah. people don't people don't know a lot of people don't even know this. We're only six years into this. Yes. Um, and Dan and I came on board about three years ago. Amanda came on board, you know, shortly after that. Uh, Alan's kind of been behind the scenes on the factory stuff since the beginning. Uh, but we're six years into this, and we're not just doing. We're not just selling cigars we're, we got our hands in the entire process yep we're sourcing tobacco we're buying tobacco we're creating cigars we're blending our own cigars we're manufacturing our own cigars we're shipping them to Weatherford Texas and then we're shipping them to a retailer yeah and there's a lot I, can you name many other companies in the last five years that has come to light that is doing this, you know, doing all aspects. I mean, it's one thing if you want to go pay someone to make your cigars for you and and ship those out and oh, I can blend it or whatever. And no, we're buying the tobacco. We are buying it from the source and blending it in our factory. And a little known fact that just came to light recently, we literally just acquired our own farm in Nicaragua. So that's going to be something we're going to be using in the next few years in the Condega uh, Valley of Nicaragua. That is within the last few months, we just acquired our own farm. So like we are invested in the future of this company and the future of the cigar industry to deliver the best products uh, that we can deliver to our consumers, to our ambassadors, to our retailers, to, to people who want to enjoy our product because we believe in what we're doing. We believe in our, in the product that we're making and the culture that we've established in McAuliffe Cigars. And this is just the beginning. This is really just the
0: beginning. It really is. It really is. You know, you we talked about, um, you know, when you came on board and then you had a plan for 2020, the, the pandemic hits. But I, I imagine you had this, there was this project you already had planned. It just, you had to probably switch the gears around a bit. And it was the T- the TBN project, which is, which became McAuliffe. And this is one Andy that like, I look at when the TBN got announced and I look at the job that you and your team did with that, with that project. And because TB, there wouldn't have been McAuliffe without the success of TBN, but you had a very tough job. You had to sell this thing into the retail stores right at the cusp of this pandemic hitting, which, which I, I, Andy, I think it was an amazing job you and your team did with that. So, talk a little about this pro- process because you're kind of coming in. I'm sure this was something that was planned, and now all of a sudden you're right at the brink of a, of a pandemic and you got to sell these cars. And, and, and because the next step A isn't going to happen without this.
2: Exactly. So, I was promoted January 1st, 2019, February. Was the, was the month that this, this situation happened. And right. we, had, we had constructed a cigar um, that in all honesty was meant to be something else. And we constructed this cigar and we were smoking the samples and we're like, man, this is better than what we thought it would be. Let, we got to do something special with this. So right. we actually brought in some retailers. Michaels was one of them. Uh, and list that we are like, hey, try this cigar. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think we should do with this. You know, one thing that I love about McAuliffe is we are willing to experiment and let our retailers and our consumers uh, guide us to the, you know, guide us in a way to where we make everybody happy. So we gave this cigar to Michaels. We gave it to a couple other people and they're like, man, this is something special. You should do you know, this with it instead of that. So basically what we had was five, you know, we had 500 bundles with this cigar that we, you know, at first had something desired to do something else with it. And we're like, okay, we need to think on a fly to do something, you know, more special with it. So we're like, okay, let's call it the to be named Maduro. We're going to put this copper band on it. Yep. And actually, I'm smoking one right now. There's not many of these left out I there. have one left, left today.
0: I don't know if I'm ever going to smoke it, but I have one <laughs> left.
2: <laughs> I have not seen one available in a retail shop in almost two years. Uh, but I have about four or five left. But anyways, we have this cigar. It's called the Name Maduro. And we're like, what the hell do we do with this? So we're like, okay, let's sell this. And have our ambassadors smoke it and vote on a name for it. And we'll go with whatever they vote for. So I'm given the task. It's late February. Pandemic's starting to hit. We have 500 of these bundles. And I'm like, all right, let's see if we can sell. This is the first release that I'm given a chance to even really push as a sales leader. So I was like, let's see what we can do with this. Let's get them out the door as fast as we can. It's a delicious looking Maduro, great price point. And we're going to sell this thing that it's like, hey, the ambassadors, our group are going to have the ability to name it. We're going to do this big voting program and then we'll brand it the way that they name it and re release it. So 500 bundles in, 500 bundles out in 48 hours, which was unbelievable. Right. The impress, the demand for this smoke. Just by showing it to people uh, and telling the price point was through the roof. I couldn't believe it. Uh, So they went out the door quickly and ambassadors were all over the place trying to figure out where to go to get it. One cool thing about the ambassador group is we can make a list of everybody who brought it in and say, go get them. And they went out and got them. The response for this cigar was overwhelming. It was a fantastic story. And... We just opened it up for them to name. Obviously, you know, we actually had a feeling that they would name it the ambassador after the group. You know, that was just what we thought they would do. And sure enough, they named it the ambassador. Unfortunately, ambassador as a name for a cigar had already been taken by another company. So we decided to just shorten it to the McAuliffe A., uh, and it's always been known since then it was re-released as the McAlife, which both uh, you're smoking the Gordo. And I know bear has a couple of them. Yeah. I just,
1: I lit it up. Yeah.
2: So, you know, we got the McAlife now and it has taken off as by far our most popular cigar uh, in our, in our portfolio. The ambassadors just have this like entitlement to the cigar, which is great by allowing them to own this. They, they, they love it. I mean, it, it's it's fantastic for the price point. It's a delicious Maduro, Nicaraguan Maduro wrapper on there. It's a medium body Maduro. So it's great for, you know, a lot of consumers that don't want something strong, but they want to try a nice Maduro smoke. Uh, it's great cigar for that. And it's not going to break your, you know, your your piggy bank for it. And, you know, we just ran with it. It's been fantastic. The, I mean, the, the craziest thing about it is we sold it in bundles. Like, yeah i not boxes we have trays now and there's there's a few boxes floating around we made some special edition boxes for it and i think we'll make them again but it's just bundles and people love the cigar so much i mean we only sell it a couple times a year now and people eat it up because they love the cigar whether it's in a bundle or a box and you know i i think the ambassadors love the uh, the story behind it and then like you said you're smoking the gordo We've developed a line around it. We got the Gordo. And then this year at the trade show, we came out with the lowercase a, which has just been hitting the shelves the last uh, month, basically. And people are loving this smoke, too, for, you know, a $6 price point. If you want a nice little afternoon smoke or lunch break smoke, this you can't beat it. I mean, it, it's great. You know, it's funny. Uh, you might know this, Coop, but last year, we this was an experiment. The lowercase a was an experiment. Yeah. We start. came out with the lowercase a just for the reps to hand out at events or gatherings or whatever the hell they wanted to do. They and were actually holding one. With,
1: you're holding no, one from the rep days because it's got this the big A. The, it's got the big A on it. Yeah, yeah. I don't
2: have one of the lowercase ones. There you go. Look at that. Yeah. Like the reps were the only place that you could get one of these smokes last year. And the demand for this cigar was overwhelming that we're like, Hey, we might be onto something. Let's sell this cigar in boxes this year at the show. And uh, that's exactly what we did. And and guess what? We still put them in 50 count boxes and we sold out. We sold out of our first round. So, you know, right now, you know, right now a retailer couldn't order them right now because they they were just that popular.
0: Yeah. And you know, what's funny is like, I met Austin for the first time, uh, when I went last year, uh, Mm -hmm. that was the first thing he handed me was, was one of the, uh, uh, okay. Say, yeah. And he was doing what, because I, I was like, and if I, I, I didn't even have to weasel one out of him. He offered me one. So, uh, but, yeah, <laughs> but, but, but it was a very sought after cigar. Um, uh, as you guys would get back on the road and doing events, you know, obviously this was something that, uh, was really good. And I think you built, you kind of kept it like that for a while now. Now, obviously you've opened it up and I think the timing of that release couldn't be better, uh, because, uh, I just spent time up in New England, and they're getting into the uh, the cold months,
2: colder and, season, yeah,
0: the colder season, and uh, you know not everyone can go to a shop, so uh, this gives an opportunity to smoke a small cigar. But because something else was interesting, told to, what well, I was told when I was up there, and I we, I was around the um, I was around two guys um, which carries the product, but I forget who said it to me. Someone yeah. said, you know what, in the hot months. Um, a small smoke is very desirable for the same reasons because exactly you don't, you don't want to be out yeah. and they were going through a bit of a heat wave up there so um for new england it was like a, it was warmer than it was in charlotte i could tell you that so you as much as look i, I love gordo's um you, you don't want to be smoking a gordo out in, in heat and humidity uh up there so so yeah no it, absolutely it, not so it's i mean it, 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 it a, definitely fits that that niche and that need. yeah
2: yeah and also for like a lunchtime smoke like it, you know it's also a great smoke to put you know I've been telling my retailers I'm like hey put it by your register yeah. put it by the register as a impulse buy you got this staring you down it's 556 bucks. add it to your tab you know and, and you're going to love it for a quick smoke when you have 25 30 minutes to smoke i mean i've seen people la- make this last mm-hmm. an hour but I mean, it's so delicious. I can't do that, but it's a, uh, it's, it's fantastic for us. And, you know, I really think the whole rep thing was, was fantastic that you could only get it through a rep. You could only get it at, you know, yeah. a lot of the reps only gave it out at events and became really popular. And I, I don't know if you guys know this, but we have another one this year that the reps have been carrying around with them, which is actually a small blend of the Leenda, which is, you know, arguably our, our most popular blend, uh, the Leander size, uh, that's a, the same size and just the blend of Leander. And the ambassadors and uh, people at events have been going, have been clamoring for that. It is yet to be known if we will release that next year. However, yeah. it is, it is, it's another popular thing. And who knows, probably next year we'll have a little, a lowercase something else. We'll see where it goes. But yeah, it's, it's a great little smoke to just hand out at events. Yeah, no, it.
0: no it, it's good. I mean, it also was a brand, um, being the A brand, it showed off your new, oh, the new band, the new absolutely, band, the new band. I know because that was a lot of, I mean, you guys went, uh, you know, Dan took us through it at the trade show and, and to in the interview with Bear, you know, the evolution of the packaging. And you know, um, there was, you know, there were things that you needed to do to, there were, be- it was beautiful packaging, no one's knocking the packaging, but to satisfy the retail community is another story. Um, who has to be a know to be your purveyor for this? So, you guys had to make some changes with it. And I think you guys did it. And mean, when we saw how it all looked and everything, we were very impressed uh, with that.
2: I'm I'm extremely excited. And, you know, I, I, tell, I tell Dan and Amanda this all the time. It's like, you know, I wish you, you saw that movie Click, right? Where mm-hmm, he yeah. had the remote control where he just fast forward yeah. things. I, I kind of want to fast forward to like this time next year where we can have our entire portfolio with that new look, because I'm so excited about that. This blue, you know, the blue and the gold and the red just pops. And what I love about it too, is in those boxes, unfortunately I don't have a box to show off to you. We're going to put that white Vista background on the boxes with the blue and the gold and the red, and it's just going to pop. And I can't wait for retailers to have that across the line on their shelf because there's no way that a consumer can walk by it without at least inquiring what it is. So, and that's, that's our biggest thing. Like we five years old, we still need people and we want people to know who we are because we believe in our product. We are extremely confident about it. We just want people to try it and we need people to try it. And that's going to help out a lot for people to just seek it out on the shelf because a lot of people buy with their eyes. Yeah. There's a good example. You got the white background on there. Imagine that across your shelf. And it's funny because one of my retailers, uh, I was doing an event at a couple of months ago and he's got these shelves where there's kind of like a shade underneath, you know, underneath the shelf or whatever. And we, we have these black, Vistas on most of our boxes, and the black vistas. I mean, it's it's nice. It's it's not bad. It's right. not good, bad. However, you know, I was sitting across the room in a chair looking at my shelves. I could not make out the crest on those black boxes. I couldn't, no matter how hard I tried. However, he had a couple of these white boxes there with the crest, and there was no doubt I could see what that was. So I'm like, okay, just from across the room in this dark situation. You have all white boxes, all white vistas. There's no way you can miss that. And I'm excited about that. And it just, it looks clean. It looks good. And it's, it's really going to do a lot for us, in my opinion. And then you have it against that blue right there on the band. Because uh, yeah. what we want to try to do is have that, that customary blue band with secondary bands that identify what the actual you know blend is but the blue will be the identifiable part of the brand. And that's what we want. We want people to identify the brand.
0: Yeah, it was, um, I agree. I have another picture I'll, I'll put up, I got from the show here, but you can see, you can see how it looks. Um, yeah, with, all the way across with
2: the, you know. So this was the first opportunity that anybody could actually see the different legacy items. We have, you know, eight, um, uh, like 10 blends actually in our legacy line. And you're going to be able to see the different secondary bands on each of the legacy items underneath the blue band. Uh, That'll be, this is the Laundres collection uh, sampler that we're going to be releasing in the fall, a couple months away from that, but it's a Laundres size, which is more of a four by 34 Size of each of our blends in the legacy line. It'll give the opportunity for a consumer of McAuliffe cigars to be able to try each one of the blends in a smaller format sampler pack. And it's going to be in a really nice white uh lacquer box with a blue vista on the top. It'll be very pop eye-popping and a great little sampler for anybody to do. We're gonna have a great price point on it. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to have this have this out there. I kind of want a few myself. Um so, but that'll be the first example of our rebranding across the board of our line. Yeah,
0: no, I think it's uh it's really, uh, it really looked good when I saw that and, and just a little uh, alert on special edition bear. I think I could say this. We just have to figure out the date. We are planning a whole show around samplers. Um, we have a really? lot. Of, yes. Yeah. We, we are doing a show on samplers because there's, there's a lot to talk about with samplers and, the, the, it's a great way when they're done right. And this is one I can tell you that's been done right uh, to experience the products. So,
2: yeah, uh, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of samplers out there of this size. So I've, I've seen a lot of samplers very unique, very unique. Yeah. Yeah. of a Toro size, Robusto size, what have you, even a Corona size, maybe, but this is going to be a tasting set basically of our line. I mean, you could smoke, you get two of each, of eight different blends you got the reserva all the way there to the left the reservas are forty dollars smoke you're getting two of these suckers and you got the leander right there that's a 15 to 17 dollars smoke and then you got the other ones there and you're going to be able to try our different blends in a sampler set uh, to where you're not spending a lot of time on it you're just you're getting to know our product through laundry sizes so I, it's it's the best it's the best thing. I can't wait to do events revolved around this because some of these the best events out there these days are these sampler these sampler it, you know it, tasting it, events. You know, you know, Terence does a great one with Agnorsa. I, I can't wait to do stuff with this. It's going to be great.
0: I I think so too. Um, and like I said, I'm I'm pretty excited about it because here's the other thing that's really cool. And Bear and I have always subscribed to this philosophy. Um like we're very Vitola based, uh, how we approach things. So you don't, I, we would never don't dismiss a line because you didn't like one size. And at the same time, you know, um, maybe there's a, maybe it isn't your size. Right. But, um, but I, we would always say be open every, like, like I can tell you it is like multiple times I've had a cigar. Well, maybe this ain't the, the, the blend name for me. And then bam, a new size comes out and I'm like, it hits me. So, um, you know, I like the for the sample. I like that because you know, you could either get a chance to try a new size or it's a unique size, which is here. This is just like I said. Like, this ain't you can't buy these as regular production with any of these sizes, right? The, the no, one, not at all. The and medallia actually, is once a year. The medallia is like a once a year thing too. So absolutely. And
2: Let me correct myself. It's a five by forty. I said five by thirty-four. Um, however, the medallia in this is going to be different than the blend of the MacDahlia Special Edition. Interesting. So you're gonna have a, oh, okay. It's going to have a different wrapper on it. Okay. And the MacDahlia Special Edition is the same size. Uh, comes in that 12-count box. That's always available uh, in the month of March yep. as we celebrate International Women's Day. Because, yep. I mean, that's one thing that we we truly believe in in Macalip Cigars is, you know, the women market in this industry is is untapped in our opinion and is, has so much potential, has so much Thousand. potential. And we really want to invest in that. we understand it might take, it might take a few years of us concentrating on it to catch on. Uh, but however, McDahlia Special Edition is our commitment to growing the women aspect of this industry. Uh, and the McDahlia obviously is a woman uh, she blended that smoke herself. She's the matriarch of the industry. Uh, but that McDalia blend will be a little bit different in there than it will be in that special edition, Pat,
0: that we make. Nice, that's good. And, yeah.
1: and that's what I was saying. You were talking about Vitola's Coop, and that's like what I was saying about what I. what's really great about McAuliffe. And I know I'm going to call down some thunder when I say this, but like when I tried the original McDalia release, which was that like Petit Robusto, like and a lot of people raved about it like it just it just wasn't for me but the corona extra and the toro like holy crap like
2: yeah, to me like
1: they're almost different cigars
2: and i know crazy it's crazy to blend, me but it's so good it's just it's the same blend but that petite corona um and the corona extra all three of them taste different in yes. my opinion Yes, it, 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 it's a great way to try a blend through three different sizes at taste completely different because everybody will tell you that the Vitola makes a lot of difference in, you know, what your flavor is getting, what you're getting out of the cigar. And that is a great example of it. And honestly, this lingerie situation could provide an example to compare to other blends as well throughout our portfolio. Right. I completely agree with you.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it's, I think it's an ultimate example. Like if you ever wanted to do an exercise with it, I think, I think none can be better executed
0: than what the McDowell is. Yeah, oh, I, I agree. With, I agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You no, know, I, I think great point. Yeah, it's funny. I've smoked the, uh, you know, going back to sizes. I've smoked the Gordo, the A Gordo. Now this is actually the second show ever I've done it. Um, I didn't realize it till tonight. I because I did it on the last show, um, and I'm I'm becoming like this is real. Like I'm the Gordo fan, and the Churchill was my favorite size. But uh, I'm telling you, this one's starting to make a. Uh, this Gordo is like uh really just starting to make more and more an impression every time I smoke it. So very happy with it. Um and Damn. I think you guys gotta be very happy with with this with this, especially with this line. It's become, you know, and here's the other thing it's like I think it's a great uh I don't want to use the word gateway, but if you hey if you want to like experience a McAuliffe cigar for the first time, um, it's a very, very approachable cigar as far as price uh and what you get from it. So uh, then you can just go different avenues. Yeah, I want to go milder. You can go to the Riata, you know. Uh, you know, if you want someone to order connoisseur sizes, you know, obviously the, you have the um, medallions. So there's so many different ways you, you can do that. Um, so I think I think yeah, it's I, a great way to get into the brand.
2: I completely agree. And like I said earlier, like I tell people all the time that are afraid of smoking a Maduro, for instance, because they think it's strong or too too dark or what have you that that a is not overpowering but it gives you that nice sweetness that you get from the maduro process of a cigar yeah and i introduced that that cigar to people that way all the time that are scared of it i was like hey Try the A. It's a great introduction, A, to Macau cigars, but B, to a Maduro cigar, if you're afraid of a Maduro cigar, because it's not going to overpower you, but you're going to
0: appreciate the Maduro process and the flavor that you're going to get off of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As far as as far as that goes. So uh, no mm-hmm. doubt about that. Um, Just kind of going through the bear. I, I Why don't we switch gears? We'll go to the, the president segment and then we'll kind of pick it back up. <laughs> sounds good all right I'm terrified uh, why are you terrified you're fo- okay
1: because if it's jay man like this well first of all the the question's hard second of all like like i just know that like y'all are trying to trip me up here
0: so i'm just like all i right. might be overthinking yeah. it. okay okay so let me let me let me let's let's be let's be honest i have not tried to trip you up have i no, no. I, i've been very honest I, i've been very uh i've been very um straight on this okay but the but let's be also real. So, Andy, just so you know, um well let me introduce the segment and then I'll kind of get into it right a little more. Uh um, okay. this is our presidential trivia segment, aka Stump Bear, uh brought to you by United Cigars. Uh United Cigars featuring Ladiana Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Aterbe and Byron and the Sunday Alfonso. Buy United, smoke United, live United. By the way, I smoked that Alfonso uh, up at two guys. Whoa. People in for a treat for that. But, okay, so here's the deal. So, you know, United Cigars, obviously, we do presidents as a theme for United Cigars. And, you know, they came to us about doing this presidential trivia segment. So, Bear and I both do this, okay, segment on our shows. But we have a little bit of a different tact. Um, if you go on Bear's show, you're going to get asked the presidential trivia question. Now, on this side of the fence, it's a little different. Andy, you are welcome to participate in this. Okay. Um, okay. But the idea is to stump Bear because there is no one, I think, who is the, the US historian in the cigar industry like Bear DePussy. I mean, this guy is the, the ultimate um, historian. Okay. So we've done this five weeks. We've stumped Bear once of the five weeks. Okay. So he is, he has, and these have been tough questions we've thrown at him. They're not been softballs by any means. Okay. But, you know, by the way, if someone wants to submit a question for Bear on presidential trivia, just get it to me, like Jay Davis did tonight, our good friend Jay Davis. So, Bear, are you ready? Yeah. Hit me. Okay. Okay. So, this is not named the president tonight. Okay. It's a little different. This is something that happened during a president's term in office. Okay. And we are going to go to, um, George Washington, the father of our country, bear first president, correct? Yes. Is that the question? (laughs) No, no, that's not the question. Okay. There are, you have to, you have to to answer, you have to answer, there's several components to this question tonight. Several components. Okay? Okay. And the question is, what were the five U.S. states admitted to the union during the presidency of George Washington? So I just gave you a hint. I, oh. actually, I was going to say, I, you I, gave I, it. A,
1: you gave. You said away because the original question was like, what state? I know. I just
0: gave it away. I just gave it away. But
1: there's still okay. I was going to ask if I could ask if if I could ask a question, and I wanted to confirm that, okay. right, that so, there are
0: five. There are five. Okay. There are, there are five. five. Okay. Okay. So okay, and Andy, you are welcome to try to answer this if
1: you want or not. <laughs> okay, so I'm really, so I'm really scared. So okay, because okay, so I know. Okay, so. Reference here George Washington was inaugurated on the last day of April in 1789. Correct. So, and bear's not cheating
0: on this, just you know, bear I, actually does this fair and
1: I, square. I, I know the first state outside of the original states to ratify the Constitution to become the United States of America I, is your home state, Coop. It's North Carolina. North Carolina was the first one outside of the original uh, to become a state. But I can't remember what what month in 1789. That's bugging the shit out of me. So I'm just trying to work backwards here. John Adams had no
0: states. I know that. Good answer. Okay. You're really so so far you are okay. Yes, you're you're right along the right lines of this. Okay. So, North, so okay, so I'm okay.
1: That's this is gonna be the biggest one. The biggest gamble is North Carolina. Was it was North was North Carolina admitted after his inauguration in April? Correct. Okay, that's You, one. you are okay, correct on it. it.
3: That's you the are hard one. Okay. On it. Yeah.
0: It, 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 so I'll give okay. you, you want the date? You want the date? Was it like early fall? Was it like September? Not you're not far off. November 21st, 1789.
1: Okay. Okay, cool. I do know, I do know that once the two states were were admitted on the same day, it was like 4 years apart.
0: Wow. Under okay.
1: Washington.
0: Yep, good another good answer. And
1: it was – and it's well, – fun, fun, funnily enough, uh, we've got one of the – we were just talking about women in the industry, and she's one of the best women in the industry. Uh, she makes me laugh every day. I love her post. Uh, Chrissy Critchfield, and she's a huge uh, ambassador for McAuliffe. Uh, and she hails from Kentucky, and that's one of them. Yes. And the second one is where from Andy resides, which is in Tennessee. Now, I believe – Kentucky was admitted f- first. Yes. Okay. Then so Kentucky, right?
0: You have the two states right. Okay. So on Kentucky day, they were on the same day. The day, day Tennessee they on 20. yeah on
1: the same day. It was like it
0: was uh, June first, right? Yep. Good answer. Okay. Um, you can see why I saved Jay. Jay, this you, you may see why I saved this question for this week. There was a reason why I timed this out. Yes, because I knew Andy was going to be on the show. Okay. So New Hampshire was one of the first original ones. So that means Vermont Vermont
1: was the other one. So Vermont was the other one. It was either New Hampshire or Vermont, but it was New Hampshire was that was a part of the original
0: 13. So Vermont was part of the group of five. So that's the fourth one. That's the fourth one, yep. Okay. March 1st, 1791. So you have four of the five now, right? Okay. North Carolina, Vermont, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Okay.
1: Okay, so Jefferson had Louisiana Purchase, but it wasn't a state. He admitted Ohio. Correct. That was, that was in... That correct was like in on, you are correct on both of those. That was like 1803. Yep, correct. Ohio. Okay. So that's Jefferson. I'm counting states here. Um. You have okay. one state you have to get to get the question right. Technically, <laughs> Maine, Maine was part of massachusetts but Maine became a state and was inaugurated under monroe
0: uh shit
1: connecticut was I'm incredibly impressive
0: he's just close um <laughs> barrett's just steamrolling through the question pretty good right yeah now. this is uh, crazy this is very crazy that he had like these dates now you, you had kentucky and tennessee as the four years apart we don't was, remember the year don't like, do we, that we, I we just, asked I just
2: we asked him the states and he's like giving us dates and all this you know, background information like it's, Yeah, it, I it, don't it, remember
1: it, the years of Kentucky and Tennessee. So That's I, okay. I, I'll give you that. It's I just know Jones, it was, Ju- I know it was June 1st and it was like during it was during the Washington
0: presidency. Yeah, that was not part of the question that you don't, you don't have to get the dates of these. You just have to know what were the five states in uh under the presidency of George Washington. So do you have so, so, one so, so. more to go?
1: So if Jefferson had Ohio. That means Indiana and Illinois was Madison and Monroe. Uh, let's move back east. Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina was the first. South Carolina was part of the original thirteen. Oh, son of a bitch! I cannot drop a hands oh, for the. Oh oh oh! It's uh um um uh, uh. We were just talking about it. Um, you were you were just there. Uh, Rhode Island. It's Rhode Island.
0: Bam! Got all go. five. You got all five. You got all five. God, five answers to a question, Jay. That's Jesus, why I man. held this question. That's <laughs> why. I, so this is why Jay held the question because I knew I was going to be in Rhode Island. I knew that uh, Andy was going to be on the show ten- uh, with uh, Tennessee, and obviously I, I'm from Ben and I are from North Carolina. So yeah, I mean that's why I held it back for this this one. You have, you have, uh, Bear. You have done it. Again.
1: Wow. That was that was that I mean, one. I'm that one was hard. That was hard. Yeah. Oh, you uh, so fun <laughs> fact, fun fact about George Washington's inauguration. Uh, Andy, do you know, do you know where he actually took the oath of office?
2: I do not. Was it in Tennessee?
1: No, no, it wasn't. Huh. But it was, uh, it was on a little, it was on a little
0: place called Wall Street in New York. Oh. yep.
2: I've heard of that.
0: And New York had already been ratified as a state uh, earlier that. Uh, right. And Yeah. And by the way, just for score, Bear, do you know the numbers of the states uh, that were admitted in, in like sequential order? This is bonus. This is not. You've already gotten the question right. Well, North Carolina's is one. Yeah, dude. But, you know, what number state was that admitted to the union? Um, uh, oh,
1: God um number state no i'm trying to think of the other ones too so Delaware was number 1
3: Pennsylvania
1: 2 three. New York was New York was the last one right before the inauguration. Yes. Like you said. Yep.
3: Cause but it was like there, a year
1: before something like that. It was like number 11.
0: Yep. North Carolina.
1: Correct. So North Yeah. So North Carolina makes 12.
0: Yep. You're correct. You got it.
1: North Carolina is 12. I'm going to fuck this
0: up. <sighs> no, you got it. You got, okay. You got 12. Yeah. North Carolina is 12.
1: Vermont thirteen, Rhode Island fourteen, Kentucky fifteen, Tennessee sixteen.
0: You actually just you have it all right except uh, Rhode Island was thirteen. Damn Vermont it. was Vermont was fourteen. Vermont didn't come before Rhode Island. Shit, I didn't. No, <sighs> no, they, they got the okay. crown colonies all in first. Right, except well, okay. well they were mostly pr- crown colonies. I think Pennsylvania and uh, Massachusetts. No, Pennsylvania and Maryland were technically proprietary provinces. Right. There was a difference between the two. But uh there you go. Bear, that is a bear moves to five and one. That only counts as one, damn it. <laughs> but you had to get everything right to get that win. Like if you would have like you got all five, and that was not an easy question. So Man. you did a very good job on that. So um good job, Bear. Yeah, good job. Uh like I said, these questions uh um to try to stump Bear, it's getting harder and harder. So if you got a question for uh for um bear bear, send it, please email it, uh, coop at cigar hyphencoop.com. Uh you can Facebook Messenger it, but I'm just telling you, the best way to get me information is the email. I I I can't stress that enough because um I can't always check Facebook Messenger as much as I love everybody. But I, I, it's not that you can't. It's just if you do it, I may not get to it is all I'm saying. So so there you go. Uh, that was our, our presidential trivia statement sponsored by United Cigars. So um, definitely, uh, you know, check that out. And like I said, I was just up at Two Guys and a uh, great purveyor of McAuliffe products. They are big believers in what you guys are doing. I can just tell you that. Um, We appreciate them for sure. Yep. Absolutely. Um, We, uh, so it was good stuff. So yeah, let's get back to uh, Andy's story here. Um, And we would just, we, we kind of talked about um, the whole, uh, we've been talking about the ambassador program. We've talked about obviously um, the the A line, which has been a very important line. Um, You know, the other thing that, and Andy, this is something I think that really affected you a lot with your job because you, you're in the sales team at the front line of this. Um, and that was when the open letter came out in January of 2020. And it was, you know, we've front one is open letters aren't new in the cigar industry. I've seen them. Um, and, you know, part of that in that open letter, um, commitment to brick and mortar is not anything new like we've seen companies make a commitment to brick and mortar but you guys took it to you guys really walked the walk with this over the last uh like well, it's now two and a half to three years and you know you on the front line you had a like your job i think your team's job was establishing that confidence in there so let me kind of go back to 2020 talk about when the letter came out what was um you know thoughts on putting out the letter and and your thoughts on, okay, now I got to really back this up in the field. Well, you know,
2: I was, I was behind the letter. Uh, We wanted to commit to the family-owned brick and mortars of this industry. And I mean, that's not the first time I've said it on this video, we believe that that is the backbone to making the cigar industry successful. It's the family-owned businesses, the family-owned, you know, a lot of the manufacturers in this industry are family owned. So, you know, it's it's it part it's part of that whole like camaraderie of the industry itself. And we decided that we were going to invest in ourselves and in that aspect and build our company around that. And you know, going out to retailers, like you said, I, you know, I had my sales team and we had to go out there and preach that message that we weren't going to sell to companies that were going to undercut them. We weren't going to sell to companies that were going to, you know, not be that we're not going to put them on a level playing field. And, you know, we got respect out of that and we wanted to invest in our team and invest in making sure that we gave them the focus and that was the that was the big thing. You know, the open letter was, hey, we're not going to do this the way that, you know, some other brands have done this. We're going to do this our way and we're going to do it the way that we believe, which is investing in you. And a lot of retailers were very receptive to that letter in a positive way. They were very happy that we were committing our focus to helping them build their business. And, you know, we developed a lot of different programs to back that up, which actually made my job, you know, in the field with my guys a little bit easier. Like we came out with, during COVID, we came out with the Ultimate Inventory Program, um, which, you know, allows a retailer to be able to ship products straight to their consumer without actually having to invest into inventory on that certain product, which was great during COVID, uh, when you don't know what your cash flow is going to be like, we'll ship it for you. You know, we invested in the passport program, uh, which allowed consumers to be able to go in and buy the product from the retailer. And then what we're going to do, if they fill out a passport by filling out the bands in their passport and sending it back to us, we're going to do a drawing every Friday and we're going to give, you know, a winner $250 gift card to a retailer of their choice. Like there's been several retailers that have like overly benefited from this. I know uh, someone who's watching right now, Robbie Lee Roach, uh, who runs a shop in Dixon, Tennessee, uh, called Big Boy Cigars. A very smaller, you know, a smaller retailer, but very successful. And, you know, he embraced the passport program, really sold it to his consumers. And people in the ambassador group, which is another way that a retailer can uh, engage with, you know, people that want to smoke McAuliffe cigars and sold the passport program. And he has been awarded, you know, thousands of dollars in gift cards from people that have filled out passports because they have a relationship with Robbie. They say, hey, I want to spend my money with Robbie, whether he lives in Florida or Maine or Tennessee or California. And then guess what? They can do the gift card. And it's like, hey. Robbie, you don't carry this product? Well, let's just do it through ultimate inventory. And, all you know, Robbie logs into the program, fills out the situation, and then we ship the product straight to that consumer. So we're developing programs like that that retailers can really embrace and and take advantage of to, to you know, to fill their register. You know, if they really want to get behind it and really want to get, you know, in, involved with the, you know, 5,000, ambassadors that we have on the McAuliffe Facebook page or the 10,000 people that we have, you know, in the program to begin with, they can really jump into that, you know, as you're showing right here. McAuliffe yep. Cigars sponsors our tasting passport and other com- uh, contests. McAuliffe Cigars purchases gift cards from you as a prize. Yep. Winners use their gifts and tickets when time's spending. You know, I... I don't know many, you know, you could, I could probably ask Robbie right now. It's like, how many people that wanted $250 gift card said, Hey, you know, keep me at $250. like they're spending three, $400. Absolutely. And like, that, absolutely. It's a discount to them. Yeah. So it's, it's something that, you know, programs like this is what we have invested in our, you know, our retailers to make them profitable. I mean, that's, that's our biggest thing. And like, we have other programs, um, you know, outside of this, that the McAuliffe uh, has a program revolved around it that really benefits the uh, retailers that do business with it as well. So, and if a retailer is able to embrace the stuff that we're doing, we can reward them. I mean, I could send, you know, several retailers, uh, you know, I could send uh, testimonials from several retailers to other retailers about how well it's rewarded them. And that's what we wanted to do with that open letter. We wanted to say, hey, we're going to invest in the retailer and benefit them for carrying McAuliffe in ways that were different than, you know, anybody else has really done before. And that's what we, we believed in. You know, you know, part of that open letter too was the fact that we weren't going to go to the show for a while. Obviously, we went back to the show this year. And that was a little bit about, you know, what we believe the new PCA is doing. uh, What we believe that you know their their focus and their vision aligns upon ours. In 2019, we didn't believe in that, and we believe that our money was better spent somewhere else, like investing back in our sales team and our brick and mortar and our inside marketing. Um, So, you know, at the end of the at the end of the day, that's what that open letter was all about. It was about saying that. We are going to invest in our brick and mortars. You know, McAllen Cigars' commitment to our brick and mortar retail partners is absolute. The health and the health of the cigar industry relies on the strength and, you know, of our family on brick and mortars. I mean, Al always says, it's like, you know, where else am I going to smoke? If all the brick and mortars go away, where am I going to smoke?
0: Well, I mean, that's how I, like, that's how I met the Gomez Sanchez family. Like, he was smoking one day and he met them. Yeah. Yeah,
2: absolutely. If if everybody, you know, if everybody goes to online business and that's it, we're going to smoke at home. You know, we've we've already touched on this, you know, and the ambassador program is a big example of this. The cigar community, the best thing about this industry is the word community. And you don't have community without brick and mortars, without places to get together and smoke. Uh, we saw, you know, a little bit of example about people getting together on these herfs, and there's still a little bit spill over that from COVID, but you can't tell me that everybody's incredibly happy with, you know, uh, it, with being in herfs the rest of their lives. Like they want to get together with people in person and embrace life over a cigar. And I, I really think that's what the cigar industry is all about. Um you know, one story that comes to mind, and this was, you know, with one of my previous companies, LFD, uh, Lito always talked about a situation where he was sitting in a cigar lounge and he watched two people, you know, smoking a cigar. And one guy was very well-dressed and one guy looked like, you know, you know, he was off the streets or whatever. And they had a great, uh, great conversation. The guy that, uh, was well-dressed, stood up and said, I had to go and shook the guy, other guy's hand and said, you know, I appreciate this conversation. It was a real pleasure. Uh, I'm so-and-so. And the guy, the other, the non-well-dressed guy said, yeah, I know who you are. I'm actually the one that cuts your yard. Like that's that's it in a nutshell. Like it brings people together from all walks of life. So if we're going to have brick and mortars go away, how are we going to connect with all these people? Like how are we going to connect with This industry, we're just going to do it on the video. Like, I'll tell you what, like Zoom was necessary during COVID, but I got exhausted with it, (laughs) doing it every freaking day on everything that I was doing. Like, I I like, you know, I like being around other people. That's just what we're born to do. Communicate and embrace other people.
0: Yeah, no, I think you, I think I agree. Um, You know, it was also, you know, these pictures I just showed, these were taken from the trade show. I mean, so you guys were at the trade show this year, and you know, obviously, you're showing products, but you were really showing, uh, you were opening up the retailer, um, the story of McAuliffe and and the business model that you guys have established. Which, um, I thought was a like fair. I mean, we, you and I talked about it. this was it was very unique in our in our person. We hadn't really seen a company open up, kind of peel the onion a bit to its business model. And, and bring that component to the trade show um and explain it and uh, I thought that was a, a very strong message and you guys came there
1: I think it was the one of the most unique presentations uh, I mean that i've ever seen of product in general yeah. um, because I think it, you know a lot of people a lot of people tell a story uh, but it's usually it's usually the story of like the like the Gomez Sanchez family, like you guys tell the foundation, like that, that, to use that as an example, a lot of people love to tell foundational stories because it's a part of the fabric of who they are. And, and that's certainly part of it. Right. But that's just the beginning. And like I, the fact that you kind of, it was, it was like, if I compared it to almost like theater in the round, except for this theater was real life. And it, and it really showed the evolution of, 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 of thinking and the, the, not the breaking necessarily, but the dissecting of trend uh, mm-hmm. to a fundamental understanding of what the cigar industry and, and, and honestly, what the consumer base is really about. You know, it, it, you know, you guys kind of just went into it, but it all started with, you know, how how is the cigar market influenced? And then yeah. it was a the commitment to, you know, the brick and mortar. And it was talking about reevaluating how dollars were spent and in unprecedented presentation what and for the entire world to see was you and you said it earlier Andy and I thought it was perfect a very common word in this industry is is backorder and it's 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 ingrained from a retailer perspective it's ingrained from a consumer perspective understanding that if i go into a shop i may not be able to get product that i'm normally accustomed to getting because of backordering, if I'm a retailer, I cannot get the product that I want because of backordering. For the world to see, you guys put out what was available when it was available, and good God, over ninety percent of your product is available twelve months of the year, and that's just un—it was just unprecedented. Yeah, and it was just really, really.
0: This was very really impressive. impressive.
2: Yeah, yeah, we sh- we we were happy to show our inventory. We call it the inventory scorecard, and that just shows all of our blends and our SKUs and the availability of each one through the year of, you know, 2020 or 2021. And, you know, we're very proud of this. Like we really want to be able to provide our customers with a product that they need. So that way we can provide, you know, they can provide the consumers of the product with what they need. And, you know, this is something that I have uh, weaponized my sales team with. They can go out and show the retailers this, at any point in time to their, you know, to their benefit of like, Hey, you know, you can't get so and so, you know, on, you know, on time, you can get our product on time. And we're going to stand by that. We're going to continue to promote that, that we can provide 90% of our portfolio 100% of the time. And it's, 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 it's pretty, pretty cool to be proud of. And, you know, you we're talking about stuff that we showed off at the uh, booth. One other thing, you know, you were saying the open letter, we showed off the open letter at the booth. Yes, you did. It was there. And in the open letter, it said, we will not return to a trade show until we are happy with the trade show. And that was there for everybody to see. Um, so I don't know if anybody really picked up on that, but we were prepared to say, hey, we believe in where PCA is going, We we believe. And the restructure of the organization and their fight for the regulations of this industry, and we believe in it so much that we're going to show you this letter. And we're here. We are here to promote the industry and to promote uh, everything that's going on in it and the fight for cigar rights. Uh, that's how much we believed in it that we were willing to show that we could have, we could have, we could have kept that in. No, we wanted to show it off. So it was. And we were very proud to be there this year. And proud to show off this card and the other facts of how we're not advertising and the other facts of how we're not uh, contributing to you know undercut sampler packs and this and that. we were we were there for the retailers uh, of this industry. And we will defend them, and we will get behind them, and we will help promote the product in them. We will help promote them. There's several retailers that could come on this, you know, come in the comments here. That are watching right now that can say all the things that we have stood by our promises on, uh, and we are we are happy we are happy to add to that list because we believe in ourselves and we believe in what we're doing here at McAuliffe Cigars.
1: You know, Andy, this might be uh, an unfair question just because I, I I know I know it's a collective decision, but I mean, so is it fair to say that you guys that you, McAuliffe will be attending PCA trade shows uh, indefinitely in the future?
2: The word "indefinitely" is is uh, is a tricky word, com- you know. Depending on this industry, like okay, like so ne- we- next
1: year, next year, Listen yes, to- yes,
2: short- okay. Like, like who knows what will happen in, in you know forever, but we plan on being there next year. Yes, and we actually, uh, you know, coop. Last time I was with you, I teased a little bit. Uh, we actually had some tricks up our sleeve already for next year's PCA that uh i i hope our ambassadors will be extremely excited about and i know you guys will be too
0: absolutely absolutely um you guys like i said um i thought i thought it was a very good return for, for you guys with the trade show give me some of your thoughts on the return to the trade show you were you were at because you uh were at that previous trade show you were at this one um What's your assessment? What are things maybe you need to do better at next time? What are things that worked really well?
2: Well, you know, the trade show this year, I went, you know, this was my seventh trade show that I've been to. And it's, you know, with three different companies, 2019 was the last trade show that I was with, with McAuliffe. And leaving the 29, 2019 trade show, there was a feeling of not really defeat, but discouragement. I guess with the entire atmosphere and environment around the trade show, which is you know pretty much what led to that open letter. However, coming back this year, it was the first year, and I you know I actually saw Scott Pierce this past weekend at Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival. He attended, and you know props to him, he went around to every booth and thanked them for being at the PCA if they were at the PCA, which I'm pretty sure everybody over there was. But um, you know props to him on that and. I told him, I was like, this was the first year that I have been to a trade show where I felt like it was an improvement over the last year. Uh, Every year that I had been over the last seven years, it felt like we were going the wrong direction. Uh, This year was definitely the opposite. And I was extremely happy with the environment of the trade show, the atmosphere, the attitude of the people that were there. I felt really good about it. And I could see it in the retailer's faces that they felt good about being there as well. Uh, so it was great for us. I was very big at the beginning of this year, we had not decided if we were going to the trade show or not. And I was very big on, we needed to be there. Uh, we're a growing brand. We have our you know infrastructure foundation kind of set up from what we did last year. Uh, the PCA is doing some positive things in the industry um, a lot more positive things than they had done in a while. And I had told, you know, I had told Dan and Amanda, I really want to be there. I don't care what it takes. I don't care if we have, you know, a, a, fold out table and a chair and a, you know, a, a steel chair, like we need to be there. We need to be supporting the PCA. We need to be supporting the retailers that support the PCA and we need to be yelling the benefits of McAuliffe cigars. Yeah. And, that's why we developed the situation we did with the four pillars of the trade show where we talked about the different things that we're doing for brick and mortars and the different things that we're protecting them from and then the rebranding situation uh, that we were doing as well. And then our balloon wall was kind of like a, an add on to that, just a little bit of fun with it. Um, and we didn't have an overwhelmingly large booth, but I, I, I didn't feel like we needed an overwhelming large booth. We just needed a presence and, you know, we can build upon it as the trade yeah. show gets better. Uh, we can build upon that, you know, next year, maybe we can have a little bit bigger booth and a little bit nicer booth, but we just needed to be there and show retailers that we were there to support it and show retailers what our story was. And I thought we did a fantastic job at that. unfortunately, um, with my team, there was some changes that were made right before the show that kind of um, hindered a little bit on, on you know, as much of an impact as we could have made. Uh, however, I thought, given the circumstance, we made a fantastic impact. Uh, and I've had nothing but good comments and good feedback from what we did at the show since the show. And it's really shaped... Uh, our direction going forward. It's it's basically showed that McAuliffe is here to stay. And McAuliffe is, you know, you know, really, really taking into consideration what this industry and what these retailers need. And we really want to provide them the best uh, product and best, best support that we can to help them grow their retail business and to help the industry from a from a whole thing. Like, you know, we we are pro-growth. We are pro. Uh, brick and mortar and we are pro advocacy and i think we showed all three of those things at our booth this year at the show
0: i'm happy about it i was yeah i was really glad to see you guys back at the show uh like bear said we thought it was a very unique model that you guys had brought to the show and i think it was an important next step because you guys have really demonstrated uh the commitment to the brick and mortars there's no doubt about that and now this is the you know for the retailers this is a this is the event. This is the signature event that they attend as, you know, that they attend as opposed to host. You know, they host their own events, but this is their key event. And you guys are now being a part of that. I thought it was was really important. So I think evolutionary as you kind of are continuing, you know, the, from the work you've kind of reset. I thought it was a very important step that you guys took. Uh, I thought it was also impressive. You had your whole sales team there. Uh, yeah. so I think that's important too so I I think overall you guys got I mean I I would give you guys a very very positive trade show and and like I said a lot you can certainly build on for for next year and I I, I could just tell like you know has become this different company that we haven't seen the industry hit in a while and what you guys did at the trade show was was different though so um mm-hmm. I think overall it, it was great
2: Yeah no I'm I'm very excited about the results from the trade show and I'm excited about what we're going to bring the industry in 2023. Like we've really, we've spent a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of finances uh, over the last couple of years to really develop what we're going to bring to the market uh, in the next couple of years. And like I said, if I had that, that click button to just fast forward a few months, I really think, everyone that's watching and you guys are going to be extremely excited about what we bring to the market in 2023 because we have some really good stuff that we're we're ready to flex our muscles that's that's the best way to put it that's
0: great
1: And just to go back to the trade for just a second what were some of the conversations like with some retailers that were you know conflicted um you know about your about the, the company's decision not to attend the previous year and things like that um i, I mean you, you just did a great job of explaining you know the the letter you know and, and everything and, and showcasing why you were there and everything as well but what were some of those conversations like were they were they well received were they challenging you know were they easier than expected what were some of those conversations like
2: you know there was a few there was a there was a lot of people that were very Happy uh, that we were there. You know, we did. You no, know, I did do my due diligence. I, you know, we were talking. I don't know if we're going to get into the road warrior thing next or not. But we're coming you know, up on
0: it. Yeah, we're coming up on. It.
2: Okay, when I was going around the last couple of years after COVID, we got back on the road. You know, June 2020. My biggest question to a lot of retailers is, how much does the trade show and us being there mean to you? And there was a lot of powerful retailers out there that thought it was incredibly important to be there. And, you know, it, there was a few retailers that didn't, they didn't believe it till they saw it. And they would come to the booth and sit down with us. It's like, hey, thank you for actually being here. Um, we are so appreciative of that. You know, on the flip side, there was also some retailers that mentioned to me how important it was that, that didn't uh, come by and say anything. So it was a 50-50 thing, but I think overwhelming, yeah, I think more than not, honestly, It was people were very excited that we were there fighting for the industry um, and seeing what we can do. And I think there's some people out there that, you know, okay, show me again next year that you'll be there. And I think that's just natural. And, you know, we'll we'll tackle that as we as we grow. And I'm not worried about that as we grow. Um, But for the most part, it was great conversation. I mean, no one came by and said, you know, I am off. Why are you here? Or you said you weren't gonna be here. Why are you here? Like no one was no one was negative about it. It was all very positive.
0: You um you mentioned, you know, obviously the other thing we talked about uh we touched on was the whole move uh we call McAuliffe Independence Day, uh, which is September 20. 20- so- yeah. I think technically it's the 18th. Yeah, I think September. it's... Te- yeah. Um, and you guys made a very big announcement um, on that, which is something, again, we really hadn't seen that happen before. Um, but you guys still had to try to find a, a niche. And what I mean by that is... Um, not all online is bad for business, let's say. Yeah. Uh, and let me let me rephrase that. Catalog companies that maybe aren't for every brand is what I'm just going to say. And I think, you know, what, what you guys have built in the calp. obviously, I think it was a case where that wasn't. But you guys, it's not like you guys have abandoned the online presence. And I think you've worked with some key retailers over the past couple of years. The three that come to mind, I mentioned two guys, uh Smoke In and Neptune. I think those three, you guys still have been able to kind of, I mean, they have re- they have brick and mortar presence, but they also have an online component. And you guys have found a way to coexist with them uh very well.
2: Yeah, our biggest thing, Coop, is you know, A, we want it to be family owned. We want it to be um Not big, big company owned and that kind of thing, to where we're not being respected as a brand. Because that's the biggest, that's the next biggest thing. We want to be respected as a brand. Uh, We felt with some of the other companies uh, that have large online presences, uh, particularly those that are not family owned, had no respect for our brand. Uh, And what that means is they would, you know, they wanted to price it however they wanted. They wanted a discount, whatever that meant, uh, and there was no room for negotiation on that set point. You know, we we have enough pride in our company and how we want to grow that. A, you know, we deserve a little bit of respect. Like we're not going to be dragged through the mud yeah. on some of these things, and B, we want to grow with people that want to grow with us. So, you know, smoke in. Two guys Neptune they all respect the companies they deal with uh, you saw that you've seen that definitely with smoke in yep. and two guys I don't know what your relationship is with Neptune but Neptune is a sim- is a similar situation okay. they very much respect McAuliffe and they care about what we're doing as a company and if we talk to them about hey you're discounting this much or, you know you're undercutting your fellow competitors by this you know they'll change it right on the bat you know some of the other companies that we were dealing with before we would ask nicely and they would just say you know go kick rocks and you know we're we just we're not gonna do we're not gonna play that game we we don't feel like we need to um we got plenty of other brick and mortars out there that want to do business with us and want to be respected and respect us as a brand and don't want to be undercut. I mean, there's, you know, one of the biggest elephants in the room when you have a conversation with any brick and mortar that doesn't have a long, a large online presence is they're going to tell you, I hate online. I hate dealing with online companies. I hate this. I hate that. There's, it's an unlevel playing field. So we want to be there for those guys. And if you're an online business and you want to play by the game and you want to not damage the image of our product or damage the image of other retailers, then hell yeah, go ahead and sell our product. We want you to. And the three that you mentioned have been more than respectful to us and more than respectful to the other retailers that we deal with. And so heck yeah, we'll deal with, we'll do business with you. And guess what? We have this ambassador group of 5,000 people, um, you know, on Facebook that, you know what, we're going to take, we're going to send them your way. If they want to look for your, for product that they can't get at their local brick and mortar, guess what? Hey, Neptune's got this. Hey, Smokin's got this. Hey, two guys got that. Anytime we have a new release come out, Hey, we, we list those three guys as, Hey, they got it. Or some other people that have website. I mean. Uh executive has a website, you know, we'll list them too. Uh from you know Simpsonville, Kentucky the Critchfields. Um Robbie Lee wrote to Big Boys, he's got he's got an online presence. Like, well, we will definitely uh promote them as well. But you know, if we're promoting them and then we're also promoting something like you know, Cigars International, um, and then they go to Cigars International and find the brand, you know, priced at 30% under. MSRP, that's not fair. That's not fair to anybody. I mean, I guess it's, I guess it's like, you know, productive and it's, it's acceptable to the consumer who just wants it at a cheap price, but that's not how we want to build business. Like we do a very good job with our ambassadors of gaining the risk of having them have respect for the brick and mortars that we do business with and leading them that way. And not just looking for the best deal. We want them to develop their own relationship. There's so many ambassadors out there that have developed relationships with these retailers um, that go, they go a long way. It really does. And then guess what? They're going to go out and give, you know, their friends and their, you know, co-smokers recommendations on or word of mouth um, uh, promotions of these different companies that they're buying cigars from and that's what we believe in so yeah we just we just want to make sure that we're doing we're doing respectful business that's our biggest thing
0: yeah no i think you guys are definitely doing that as well uh like i said i just was up at two guys and uh i do know like abe and dave well and they they really uh have been so impressed with what you guys have done uh i'm a customer of. both of them, as well as Neptune, so uh, I've seen it, and I think it's, it's a great. It's great that you guys have brought that to the table. Neptune, and-
2: Neptune is a great operation, and they don't get as much uh, spotlight because they don't do any real social media followings. Like two guys has their show, uh, Smoke In has their show, Kiss My Ash. And what really impresses me about Neptune is they they just they do it by they do it by the rules and they just, they are so successful at it. And this was the first time that I really saw any of them. They came around the show with their own little production crew. Yep, I, saw and I don't think I, I don't think I had seen that ever before. I don't think I've ever seen Neptune really have that before, but I thought it was kind of cool. And they, they came by and they, they handled themselves incredibly professional. Yep. Uh, they took pictures, they did reviews. I read the reviews. I watched the videos and it was incredibly well done. Like I, I applaud to them. Um, and, you know, they have a great crew. I've, I've been down to their stores a couple of times now. None of their stores are open for for lounge business right now, which is even more impressive. Uh, it's all in and out. And you walk in the door in any of th- one of their three operations, you're greeted as soon as you walk in the door and you're guided to where you need to go for whatever, what you're looking for. And then you're thanked for your business as you walk out. Like, there's not many retailers that are like that out there and Neptune does a great job especially in a, in an area that isn't overly known for great customer service South Florida uh, no offense to South Florida it's just it's so fast-paced yeah, yeah they sure. they totally take care of their consumers and I think that's why they've built a great business it really is they're great people I, we love working with Neptune
0: no I think it's good um last thing I'll say and in bear we could if you have anything else to wrap this portion up. Um, so, you know, I talked... When I was talking with Dave uh, up at Two Guys over the weekend, and we were talking about you guys, one thing that was really impressive to him about you guys is when you guys went up there, I don't know if you were part of that, but certainly as a company, McAuliffe was up there doing training. And I assume... To, training to the staff. And I assume that's something that, you know, you do as well for other retailers. Um, and again, I have seen... When I see training done uh, by a company for retail staff, that I think is a very, it's very important. Um, and I'm sure like I said, that's something, the education piece that you guys, you know, that's something that doesn't get talked a lot about because, you know, we see you guys doing the events and everything, but I think this is another key thing that you and your team probably do as well. Very well. It seems like.
2: We do. Um, you know, I'll be completely honest. We don't have any like organized program currently, it is definitely something that I want to put together for next year. It's on my agenda. Um, it's something that I want to work with my sales team to put together to something that they're also comfortable in going around doing. Uh, the two, we have done some one-on-one um, specialized training programs, like the two guys situation. we actually had Dan and Al fly up there with the sales rep at the time. And do a training program with them. I know we've had uh, Dan and Amanda go down to smoke in and do a program with them. Um, it's pretty much kind of just, it's been a couple beta tests right now, uh, but it is definitely something that I think is very important. Uh, Davidoff does a great job at it. Uh, they actually have a program situated that I've been told of. I haven't seen it. Uh, where they go into different retailers and do a training program with those retailers uh, where they go from you know seed to seed to cigar on everything and have them well versed on everything. And it's something I definitely want to do and uh, it's on my agenda for next year to actually make make happen because it is very important for us to grow our brand. Um, Perdomo's done a great job with their you know there's a little bit more in depth where you actually go down to the factory and see everything in person. amazing for it. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think we're at that point yet. I think we're maybe a you know a couple of years away from being able to do that. However, I have seen the impact of that, and it's unbelievable how many people mention that tour and how many people come back from that tour, Perdomo fans for life. Um, so it is something that I think is of value. Um, but it's something that we need to invest a little bit more in. And I think we'll be ready to do so next year for sure.
0: And I would agree. I would say before you get to that step, yeah. Uh, you want to definitely be invested in prepping for that. I, I have seen some companies mm-hmm. do it when they weren't ready. And it's not that they did a bad job, but uh, they could do a more effective job is what I'll say.
2: Yeah. And we have some we have some uh, customers that are willing to give us a chance to like kind of practice something. And it's something we've already talked about, like Davidus, for instance, in Maryland is a candidate. Uh, that would like us to practice some sort of employee training with, um, so I think they'll be one of the the beta ones uh, in the very beginning, uh, and we'll see where we go from there. And that, I mean, that's a great operation to to practice with because they got 13 different stores and you know 75 employees, I think. Uh, so that'll be a good one to like kind of try and then mold something into a program that we can take across the country. Because like I said, I do think it's important, and honestly, that collectors addition laundry box we have a perfect example for a team to try our blends
0: um in an easy format so oh, great. that is
2: something maybe we can piggyback off
0: of agree oh, very good so bear uh, anything else we want to hit with andy before we get to the last couple of segments
1: yeah i was just saying andy what i was going to say about the this this training module and beta program that you're thinking about launching i, I think it's an absolutely fantastic idea and you, you touched on Davidoff. i've actually. I've actually graduated that program Um, and yeah, they make a big deal about it. Yeah. I actually have a, I have a, I have a certificate, so it's, it's actually a really big deal. So, um, and where I think, I I mean, just, this is kind of like the light bulb going on and kind of having a light bulb moment, just talking, just hearing you talk about it. I think what's really a great opportunity for a company like McAuliffe, like you talked about, you, you mentioned that, you know, your, your company is very young right? And the, there's, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, a, a lot of knowledge, especially if you're going into a new BNM, right? A new territory or a new area, you know, people walking into that store may not have heard about it. And that's the barrier to entry, right? To into that consumer's hands. With Davidoff, it's different. It's the expense, right? Like this is a really, this is a really high-end product. You guys don't necessarily have that that, that barrier to entry, but you you guys can shift that that main thought is like hey instead of talking about cost and price talking about again this the this, this story and you got the, the the again i go back to the, the the pchh show this year and just the incredible the candid nature of 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 how you guys are with uh with everything full circle and i think if from my days as a retailer from working in that if a tr- if i was taken through a training that kind of walked me through that kind of aspect of it um would really would really help me talk about McAuliffe to 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 my consumers and to obviously to to your at that point it would be your new consumers too, so I think that's a I think that's going to be a just an awesome opportunity for you guys and I know, uh, as evidence would suggest, you guys are going to do it right. So that's something that's pretty exciting. Yeah, so I hope that I hope that comes to fruition yeah. like you guys are hoping.
2: Yeah, I do too. We did a um, kind of a beta test taste test events with a lounge in Connecticut called a uh, horsepower cigar lounge where we did um, three of our little, the petites, we did the petite McDalia, the petite a, and then we did the petite Leenda for his locker members. And it was kind of an idea of mine that I'm like, Hey, I could probably transform this into a, you know, some sort of staff training if I needed to. Uh, and it went over, it went over very well to where we, you know, each one of the guys smoked the 45-minute smoke. We talked about, you know, when they lit it up, we talked about the blend. But then we put in tidbits about the company and then we socialized with the guys. That was more of a consumer-based event. But I think we could transform some of that situation into a staff event to where it would have a similar impact.
0: So. Yeah, you know, the other thing I'll just say, um, you guys have, like, probably I've done this with Dan and Amanda a few times is that, you know, when I have a question uh, and you guys have been really great about communications with with media, uh, which has been fantastic. It's like, Hey, let's get on a quick zoom up. I'll explain this to you or whatever. Um, You know, particularly when you're launching a lot of the programs. So I I can tell you, I've appreciated that as well. It's made me a lot more effective of covering your company's brand. So I, it's, it's, it, it may not have been formalized or anything, but I can tell you it was still education for sure.
2: Yeah. Well, we appreciate all the coverage that you give us, Coop. No, that's no, sure.
0: no I, I appreciate it. I mean, you, got, you, you were a key part of that, um, making the introductions to me. You and I had met before, mm-hmm. and because and, uh, I remember you, I mean, we, you knew Bear, and I remember you, you came in. You had my territory in Nat Sherman for a while in North Carolina, so we met there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but you were a key part of making those introductions uh, to those folks in your company, and I'm very grateful for that. So it's not forgotten about either. My pleasure. My pleasure, Coop. No, no problem at all. All right, Bear, anything else we want to cover before we get to the last couple of segments? No, uh, I'm good. All right. So we're going to get into the Road Warrior piece, but we have one more segment we do each and every week. Um, and that is um, our Great Things Are Happening Here segment. Uh, and that's brought to you by Tobacco USA, makers of iconic brands. such is Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Age Room Cigars. Tobacco, as always say, great things are happening here. So in this uh, segment, we, we mentioned some stories that are uh, positive stories. Again, we talk about positive influence of the, of the ambassador community. Uh, you know, th- there's always negative news in, in uh, going around. And we uh, use this segment to point out a couple of positive stories that are happening here. Um, it's one of Bear and I's personal favorite segments. Absolutely. Um, and we, we each week we pick a story. Um, and I stole Bear's story this week, so I apologize. (laughs) Uh, but bear, I think, uh, I think it's, uh, in terms of the order, I think you go first this week though. Thanks Coop. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Again, just to reiterate, this is one, this is by, by far one of my favorite segments that we do. I just absolutely love it. It's great to talk about the positive things that go on around because unfortunately it's stories like these that don't get very much play. You know, we, every once in a while we catch like a viral story about like the two little leaguers, uh, the last time we talked um, and things like that but this is a, this was a pretty cool uh, a pretty cool story and the reason it, it kind of grabbed my attention was because uh, I'm an I'm an avid collector of two things uh, when it comes to apparel uh, one is t-shirts and obviously the other is hats um, but t-shirts um, are one of the most massively produced uh, pieces of clothing in this country um, when it comes to apparel and uh, unfortunately this 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 comes at a small price um it, it actually creates an unbelievable amount of waste and this is probably going to be like the crunchiest story i ever tell on this on this broadcast but i i, I think it's just really cool there's uh there's a company uh called uh t-mill so t-mill's business model is this so they they uh it's it's actually believe it or not t-shirts are the second largest source of cotton on this planet not in this country but on this planet uh, t-shirts are the second largest source of cotton and what t-mill does is they take massively produced t-shirts so like say for example you know Macau's gonna have this open house here in a few weeks and they you guys may make t-shirts right i'm not saying you are i'm not trying to commit you to anything andy but say you make some t-shirts well you're probably going to make a certain number to make sure that it's the you know it's covered right Uh, you know, that enough people will have an opportunity for a t-shirt. Well, that means there's an opportunity for some extras. It's not like this hasn't happened ever, you know, ever. Of course it does. Um, So those extra t-shirts from anything from corporate events to championship years uh, to whatever, you know, across all the things where you can imagine where you've gotten a t-shirt before this creates a lot of waste. These are t-shirts that actually go into uh landfills and in in, in in trash cans you know so t mail takes these recycled t-shirts and they uh will actually recycle them so they'll take it um they send it out to one of their uh, facilities so they they break it down back to its original carb uh, excuse me cotton fibers they sterilize them and they remake them into new t-shirts uh in their part of their one of their carbon neutral factories it's powered of course by renewable energy so i mean it's just like <laughs> i mean very elaborate but pretty awesome niche that they have found i mean because i i mean until i read this story i was thinking you know like one of the most wasteful things is probably water bottles and stuff and i'm sure it is but like i never even you, thought you, about you t-shirts. would know, you would know that with water bottles there yes so <laughs> knows like to water bottles. so um but like i I just like it was really i was really flabbergasted by how much like how much waste it comes with like t-shirts getting wasted and stuff considering i have so many um and so i I didn't think of that yeah i didn't think of that one pretty cool story so um yeah um i mean it's 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 incredible like and you you could post the the link in the show notes but um um you know it's it's pretty crazy because i mean think about companies like like the example in the article is the world uh, wildlife fund right wwf um you know they they might print off something like ten thousand shirts to send to their donors right well if they have any extra that goes into the waste you know yeah it's crazy interesting yeah, yeah. yeah good job there
0: fun story yeah fun story good job check out check t yep and and these will be like i said you'll see these links um you won't see them on YouTube, though. We've had to eliminate all your links on YouTube going forward because otherwise they flag us for good news stories as yes. violating the like we. So you know all this stuff going on with YouTube, Andy. This is uh, I know yeah. I'm breaking. The one thing we got flagged on was a was a good news one of these good news stories. Like they flagged us as like violating uh, YouTube's uh, community guidelines. Uh, we appealed it and it's won, perfect. like, and they. But yeah, they actually gave us. A, they actually yeah. gave us a ding on that. Like, what the? I, I told. I told Ben, hey, we got a ding, and, and we're thinking it's on something with cigars. It was nothing related with cigars. It was. It was. A, it was about a home being built in Minnesota. So it was a mistake, and they fixed it, but that's what we get. So I just don't want to get dinged on. So this. I'm
1: still I'm still pissed about that. Wow. Yeah, just... yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And
1: you get this. Okay, so I'm sorry. I'm going to tell the story. I'm pissed. No, go ahead. Go uh, ahead.
0: So the story is about.
1: <laughs> okay, there is this story. In, it's a neighborhood in Minnesota. Okay, and this 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 woman who had become this like cherished neighbor. Had lived there for decades with her family and she of course she, you know kids had moved away spouse had died she's one of like she but like the whole neighborhood had adopted her she had adopted kids to be like you know like basically her grandchildren and everything just this wonderful you know wonderful woman and um she never owned the home and all the years that she lived there she never owned the home well the the her landlord finally sold the house and she was told that she was going to be evicted that they were going to you know do something else with it i don't know Jeez. yeah and so basically the neighbor unbeknownst to her her neighbors got together and bought the house for her wow bought the house for yeah. yeah it was like i'm still tearing up about it like it was just beautiful <laughs> beautiful wonderful thing and yeah, that somehow violates YouTube's community standards.
2: Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're just jealous they didn't have the
1: story first. Yeah, I guess, I, I, I guess or something. Yeah, oh but, my God. but yes. it is on all
0: of our other channels that we put this, you know, publish the show. So, um, including it'll be on cigar coop as well. So, <laughs> so rest assured, you know, you. But we're just we're just trying to be careful with YouTube because it's very uh, finicky. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. I'll go to my story. Um, my story I stole from there uh, is a 16-year-old has become the youngest person to circumnavigate the, the planet Earth in an airplane. Uh, yeah. And this was done by a, uh, a 16-year-old British boy by the name of Mac Rutherford. Now, what's really interesting about this is it's kind of a little bit of a sibling rivalry that was going on with this. Um, his, his older sister, Zara, Actually, became the youngest woman to fly around the world solo. Um, so, um, she finished. Uh, she actually did that, and she holds the title for woman. But, but uh, Mac actually broke the record. Um,
1: broke her record, yeah.
0: Broke her record, yep. And um, he he completed his mission. The story was actually about, he was about to, but he did complete the mission. Uh, where he started this mission in uh, Bulgaria. Uh, he went down to uh, like Sardinia. Uh, through Africa uh, Congo Madagascar east to the uh, United Arab Emirates India China South Korea Japan uh, flew to Alaska then flew down to the west coast of America Mexico uh, back north through Canada then to the UK and then back to um, um, Bulgaria Bulgaria so uh congratulations to uh, to to um, mac for doing that now they don't do this uh he doesn't do this like it was over a five month period uh but again uh that's a very impressive you hear a 16 year old flying a plane uh and i'm sure some of these airports he flew through um and they mentioned it in the article you know uh some there were airport closures in india electrical failures in the system uh while he was flying this thing it wasn't like a jet he did Solo, uh, by the way, this is solo so, he did yeah, he, by himself yeah. he was by himself. That's the key thing. No co-pilot. Right. Uh, so, I mean, he has a lot of, I mean, the family. he's comes from a family of pilots, uh, his, uh, you know, so he has a lot of hours flying. So I was, uh, I was incredibly impressed with, with this. Um, and it was, from what I understand, it was a light, it, the plane was called the shark and it's a, one of these lightweight air, aircraft. So, uh, You know, they don't fly super fast. They fly like 300 kilometers an hour, which is not like, again, not like, you know, we're used to flying when you go on a jet here. So, um, like I said, uh, I thought it was a great job. And I think he is now officially in the Guinness Book of World Records as well with this. So I think it was certified into the Guinness Book of World Records. And uh, congratulations to uh, the Rutherfords, in particular, Mac now, who holds that solo record, um, you know, uh an amazing feat i thought it was an amazing feat to do that
2: very impressive
0: yeah especially
2: yeah. alone I, I didn't know the alone part that was crazy
0: yep no that that's uh it is amazing so um yeah i was learning to drive a car at 16 yep. on a Fly plane yeah, fly, yeah. Yep. me too yep. <laughs> yep all right so let's get into our uh, our final segments i want to mention a couple things first i want to mention Agonorsa leaf again uh, if you go onto the Cigar Coop sidebar, um, we are highlighting things from Aganorsa's Leaf YouTube channel, which we encourage everyone to subscribe to. They're doing some great content. Um, and, you know, this past summer, they, they filmed a lot of stuff at the PCA Trade Show. So you can check out on our link. That will take you right to some of the content. Short, sweet. Um, Terrence Riley will take you through the products that they've done. And uh, they've done a very good job with that content. Uh, I think they've done a very good job with their video content over the past year. So we've been highlighting that. Definitely check that out. And we want to mention Michael's Tobacco. With just over a decade of ownership, Michael's Tobacco has become the premier tobacconist for the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area and cigar patrons the world over. With two convenient locations in Euless, just a quick jump on the DFW airport and Keller, Texas, Michael's Tobacco stands as a beacon for the Texas cigar retailers. Michael's was the very first cigar lounge in the state of Texas to add a full bar to its list of ever growing accommodations. Proprietor Mike Peacock is a former IPCR board member, and he's made Michael's a family affair by having his son Bob join the ownership force. Together, they have brought a true and blessed mainstay for their respective communities. Whether you're celebrating an anniversary, birthday, home one, or just a desire to relax, Michael's Tobacco will have the perfect cigar weight view with an exquisite beverage pairing and lively conversation. Visit michaelstobacco.com. To, for more details of the calendar of upcoming events. Michael's Tobacco. Not just a cigar shop, but the perfect blend of Texas hospitality in the days of your, and I look forward to getting back to Michael's. I was thinking about that just as we were talking about Michael's at the beginning, and how you guys kind of have your beginnings at michael's, so uh and now bear your son's almost gonna be three, so now I feel like I've really uh missed out being there. yeah, it's crazy how time yeah it, it time just goes too quick, flies right,, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but speaking of flying, right. Um, and I want to, I want to keep Andy on for this segment. Sometimes Bear and I just normally use this last segment to kind of talk stuff, but I, I think it was appropriate with, with Andy, you know, um, the, the job of the sales team in the cigar industry, uh, I think one, one thing that's really been unique through social media is we've gotten a little bit of an insight into in, a glimpse into that. Right. And this past week I, I traveled for my job. I don't travel to the extent that, that the sales teams and the marketing teams and the brand owners do in the cigar industry. And, you know, I had a 29 hour trip to get home from Rhode Island. Okay. 29 hours. Right. Wow. And what, well, by the way, it was airport problems. And what I'll just say is, you know, for all the bashing of the airlines, they sometimes really are helpful. And they, despite a 29 hour delay, um, I had a very positive. I they I felt like someone actually cared about me for once, right? And they they really tried, and it was a mechanical issue that caused my return to have problems. And actually, I just uh, but you know, as I'm going through this, right? I'm sitting. There, I'm like, you know, I just like I really I've always had respect for people who travel, but the idea of what the cigar um, industry has to do is being a road warrior is um is incredible is what i'll just say it, it, it's an incredible thing um i i have i will respect anyone who does that because it's it is hard work and if you have families or spouses and kids it, it's got to be extremely difficult right i i still don't understand why there's a need to take a picture on an airplane i i just don't understand it um it was funny i i actually today when i was going through uh a tsa checkpoint um I saw someone do it. And I asked them why they did it. And they kind of just said, I have no idea. It was like, I just, they felt like they had to take a picture of them online with the TSA checkpoint. It was just, a, they had no idea why they did, it, but so I, I don't know why the cigar industry has to do that, but that's, that's a, that's a, I, we've gone down that road before. That's what I'll just say. But, um, Well, you, you encouraged it for a little while. I encouraged it for it a little while. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just didn't, there was, a lot of things that, like, I was doing it for. And then I just said, "Let me turn it into a charity thing." That didn't work. It didn't translate well to a charity thing, which I didn't understand. But sometimes I think that that, that whole thing had run its course, in my opinion. And you tried to get into it, Andy, yeah. last year. You were you were a contender. I tried. Um, did, I have to get you a coin. You deserve a coin for it. So I have to get you a coin. Uh, yeah, that, I don't have one of the coins. You you earned the coin. One of my sales reps has the coin, and I don't have one. Who's got the coin of the sales team? I'm trying to remember. A- Alan has Oh, Alan, yeah, he deserved it. Alan did it. Yeah. Yes, Alan did it. He uh yes, he he, <laughs> he uh yes, he was taken care of, yes. So he deserves it. Yes, I forgot Alan got one. Um, <laughs> but he got it before he was a McAuliffe rep. Um he was mm-hmm. going out, yeah. So so good job by Alan. Um, but Andy, I mean, let me just say, Barry, I don't know if you have anything to add for the intro before we get into this. I know you No, been- I have I have some, oh, I, have some cool.
1: I have some questions that, when we get into it yeah that, that I think this I think this is an important topic because it, it was actually a topic that I brought up it was on one of my one of my very 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 first takes early on like it was in the first 20 takes yeah uh, that I ever did uh but I think it's I think it's an important discussion uh you know I know it's it's fun but I think it's an important discussion too because um you know what we're going to talk about. So go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Coop. Get it get started here.
0: Yeah. So Andy, just uh what I'll start off with is, is it worth it? <laughs> so I guess the first one. I mean, cause you guys put in, um, I mean, especially in your role where you have to get on a plane, probably more all like the time. Like, so there's a lot of reps in the Southeast probably don't have to get on planes because they cover Georgia, Virginia, and the Carolinas. So, you could probably get away with being a car, you know. But when you get out of in the Northeast, maybe similar. But when you get a little further west, once you get west, I'd say of uh, once you get closer to that Central Time Zone, it be, you become much more of a, of a plane warrior too. But 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 here's the question: Is it worth it? I mean, because it's tough sometimes, uh, and it's a lot of time you guys take.
2: It really is. You know, it's funny because you mentioned the whole like East first West thing with LFD in Texas. Like I had to go out to Arizona. I had to go out to New Mexico. I had to go up to Kansas city. So I was doing a lot of flight. And, you know, the funniest thing about as much travel as we do is it, there's not a week that goes by where you're sitting in a cigar lounge and someone looks at you and it's like, man, you have the best job. Like, I wish I could do what your job was. And then you sit there and you tell them, it's like, Or they think that you're sitting there in a cigar lounge all day long it's like i spend more time behind a windshield or in a plane than i do in a cigar shop and that's true i really do even before i became national sales director i i do and you spend more nights in a hotel bed than you do at your home bed and i guess the question you were asking the question is it worth it it depends what you're looking to get out of it um it definitely gets wary. I mean, you're on the road a lot. I spend maybe 150 to 200 nights in a hotel room. I get the benefits of the points. I get the airline miles. I get the Hilton points. I get, I get that kind of thing. I get to eat out. I get to travel. I get to see different cities. Uh, but after a while it, you know, it, it can become tiresome and then you just kind of want to be home. Yeah. Um, I, um, I mean it was funny when i got promoted i talked to john uh, jonathan carney and i said hey when you when you got promoted did america seem did the u.s seem much smaller to you after you got promoted and he said you know what i never really thought about it but it kind of did and i'm like okay so i'm interested to see how long it takes before america seemed or u.s seems so much smaller and it didn't take long like, the U.S. seems super small to me now because I'm all over the place all the time. Um, but it is, I mean, it is, it's rewarding in a sense when you see the points and you see that you have the opportunity to say, you did this, you did that. But at the end of the day, I mean, it, it does get tiring. I, I get home after, you know, a week of travel and I, I, I kind of want to crash. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun at the same time. You get to see, in my role, you get to see a lot of different, retailers in a lot of different territories and anybody in my position will tell you that all the territories are a little bit different uh, the retailers depending on the region are a little bit different but um, you know it, <laughs> honestly it depends on the week because you are at the mercy when you're flying as much as we are you're at the mercy of the airlines sometimes you're at the mercy of the hotel room sometimes I mean the hotels, are much different now than they were before COVID. I'll tell you that. Uh, there's not there's not the same level of service. And I don't think it's their fault. I think it's just no, the, they don't clean
0: your room the day anymore. Of the time. Yeah.
2: No, they don't clean your room unless you ask. And if you ask, it's 50-50 if they're even going to do it then. Um so it's kind of like I've had to adapt to that situation uh comparatively to before. And you know what makes it more difficult for me is I spent 10 years running hotels. So then I go into hotels and I expect the level of service that I demanded from my staff when I was running hotels. Uh, and you know, probably a majority of the time you just don't get it. So it's, yeah. I mean, it was a few years ago where I kind of gave up on expecting them to be as well ran as what I would run it. But, um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. It can be, you know, on top of that, you got the loneliness factor uh, when you're on the road a lot. So, I mean, there's a lot of respect that I have for people in this industry that do as much travel as we do. Uh, there's a real level expect to that. And, you know, it kind of drives me a little bit sometimes to to get to a point where I don't have to do as much travel. But it is it is necessary to grow to grow a brand uh, and I mean, Nick Perdomo doesn't travel as much as he used to, but he used to travel, you know, 250 days a year. Same with Rocky Patel. And it's just, it's just something you gotta put in, you gotta put in the sweat, you gotta put in the blood, sweat and tears to really uh, to really grow something that you believe in. Uh, and I'm in the middle of that right now and I'm, I'm willing to do it uh, to make it work. But yes, it is, it can be challenging, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, you know, I, like I said my travel tends to be quick. Although this past week was a longer, it was the first long trip I've taken probably outside the cigar industry in a while. And, uh, you know, I was away for, again, this is non cigar related. I was away for almost 10 days and uh, I wasn't used to it anymore. That was the first thing. It was hard for me to get back. Did you find like post COVID, it was tougher to get back into this? Because I, I had a tough time with with this trip especially well
2: yes and no i mean the problem you have when you do it as often as we do is you get very used to it and when you take a break like we did for you know us at mccallif we basically took a three-month break from traveling mm-hmm. and you know most industry, most companies can say about the same there were some other companies that went a little bit longer at the end of it, you're kind of, itching to get it back out there. As weird as that sounds at the end of my tenure of being home, I was ready to get back out and, and see things and do things. And I think that's just the nature of the beast. You, you get used to uh, being in hotel rooms, you get used to having food served to you and then everything changes for a little bit. And, you know, one thing that I do love about traveling as much as I get to interact with a lot of people uh you don't really get the chance to do that if you're sitting at home uh you know with just your significant others, whoever they may be. But it it uh yeah, I wasn't I wasn't depressed to get back on the road. Uh when I got back out on the road and saw the hotel uh game had changed a little bit. Yeah, that was kind of sad. Wow. But yeah, wow that was yeah. that was stuff to uh that was stuff that was out of my control. But, I mean, in this industry, we're we're seeing retailers all the time. We're going out. We've developed these relationships. You know, the the great sales reps enjoy uh, connecting with the retailers that they do business with, in my opinion. And if you don't, then you shouldn't be in this. And when you're home for – when we were home for three or four months and you didn't get a chance to get out there and connect with these guys – I, uh, you really, you really can't wait to do it again. And I mean, I feel for, uh, Drew state was an example. They weren't really allowed to travel for what well, it, it was almost a year that they were yeah. basically yeah. restricted to local travel. And I'm, I'm friends with some of the Drew state guys. And by the end of the year, they were dying to get out and see these guys again. So, I mean, it makes your life a little bit more challenging when you're at home, uh, trying to do business over the phone or, over zoom or what have you, you, there's, there's something to be said about, you know, this all goes back into that community thing. Like there's something to be said about being face to face with other cigar smokers. Uh, it goes a long way.
0: I, I, uh, I would agree with you. And I, yeah, it's, um, you know, my nature, it's a little different because, uh, in the corporate world, not everyone's come back and now corporate's looking at, um, you know, people aren't going into the office anymore so we've had to just so my day job do some creative things to kind of get people out of the office so we're doing some events that get them out well, not out of the office out of the house um so we've been working yeah. with things like that but with what i guess the cigar industry is a little different because like you guys are servicing purveyors the brick and mortar community and they have to be there so um so it's a lot it's a lot different when you i think you guys in this industry, you had to get much. You had to get back in, you know, on the road quicker. Maybe my other world was. Yeah, absolutely. There, yeah. I mean, there. Believe
2: it. Or, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a lot of retailers that that just they don't want to do business over the phone. No, they want to do it face to
0: face. Yeah, I, and I, this, I,
2: that's I, the way that they're they're programmed, I
0: guess. And and so, I agree. Yeah, it makes a big difference. I, I totally agree with you on that. I totally agree with you on that. Um. So, Bear, I'll turn it over to you with some of the questions that you had.
1: Yeah, Andy. So um, you know, you mentioned uh hotel service kind of going down. Uh one of the one of the things I wanted, a couple of questions I wanted to ask is uh, your favorite, your favorite airport? And My why? Favorite
0: oh, these are good airport. questions. Bear's got good questions here, yeah. <sighs> My favorite airport. Mm. Man,
2: that is a good question. I'm gonna have to think about this one a little bit. I love. It's weird. So I base airports depending on what kind of outlets they have that have good like food or good um, drinks to go by. I guess um, one of my favorite airports would probably be um, Hartford. Is one, one. I really have one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hartford's a very clean airport. They have a uh, good restaurant system there. Um, they have a good restaurant that I enjoy going to. Uh, Tampa is another really good airport that I enjoy um, going to that I fly into quite often. I'm trying to think if there's what other ones I could I could throw in there. Baltimore, Baltimore's got a good airport as well because they're they're well organized and uh got some good resource good outlets there as well
0: i have a knock on baltimore airport okay what is it the rental car place is like forever to get oh it's like yeah yeah that is only not the the airport's good but the rental car situation is is a pain in the neck to deal with there so there's there's two
2: yeah that one stands out a little bit i haven't you know in my role now i don't really have to rent a lot of cars um because i have people pick me up but uh there are people there's a few airports out there that i hate for that situation like phoenix is one phoenix is another one where you have to take a rental car like 20 minutes outside the airport to get to uh yep to the car um so i dislike that airport i don't like denver's airport at all because there's not
0: many I don't like, to, yeah. That airport's yeah. in a, like, you're almost in Utah, or, or to say it's, Wyoming It's or
2: ridiculous.
0: Yeah. It really is.
2: And there's no concessions there, and the concessions that are there are, like, overly crowded. So that's frustrating. I don't really care for that airport at all. But
0: you used to be able to smoke at that airport years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah there's not many like airports years, that have smoking 10, options anymore. Yeah, this had a total on 10 years ago, yeah. You know, Andy. One thing that I judge the airport on is seating. Okay. And and I can tell you, like for example, Charlotte. While they have pretty good places to eat, the seating situation is horrible.
2: It's terrible. It is what yeah, they, Charlotte's they, not and, high on my list.
0: And and they expanded it right, and there's no seating in the expand. Like, there's just no seating. I I have almost been tempted to take a uh, one of those uh, folding chairs, like <laughs> and
3: yeah
0: <laughs> and do it but I like, actually you know, like the chairs that like double as a cane exactly yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> you know those little <laughs> you know you can kind of put it up <laughs> and you can put it up in the uh you could you could you could you could put it up in the overhead or, or check it in <laughs> like i've actually i'm telling you with charlotte i because i will not sit on the floor there's just i am not yeah. sitting on a floor yeah. anywhere so so yeah i didn't you know two, it's yeah.
2: it's funny because two of my cl- two of my favorite airports or actually the ones that I use the most are Dallas Love Field, which I think is a great airport. Yeah. Um, Bear, I don't know how much experience you have with that. That's a fantastic airport. It's great. Southwest is fantastic out of Dallas Love. And Nashville Airport is great. I mean, how many places – the one thing I love about living in Nashville is there's always live music, and that's the same for the airport. So anywhere you go in Nashville, there's live music going on at all the outlets. So I just love coming home on a Friday and I get like 15 different bands that I hear before I head to my car. Like, that's fantastic. So I don't see how anybody could hate Nashville Airport either. Plus, it's an easy airport to get around. Um, yeah. I hope that right, so answered your question.
1: <laughs> so aside from Denver, my question is, what's your least favorite airport and why is it O'Hare?
0: It's not O'Hare for me. So, I'll tell you that. I don't,
2: I, I, don't that fly, I don't fly into O'Hare that often. I usually fly through hobbies since I'm doing a lot of Southwest. Um, O'Hare, yeah, O'Hare is an annoying airport. Detroit is an annoying airport because you got to walk forever. Same with Salt Lake City. You got to walk like three miles to your freaking gates. Um, it's all, it's so, all elevation, too. Yeah, <laughs> start, Lake- I don't, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, Coop. I hate Charlotte's airport. And I, I don't hate- like it. I don't like
0: it. You're not, you're not, you're not offending me. It's not the worst, oh, okay. but I put, I, it, I put it I put it, it
2: I hate Atlanta's airport and I hate Denver's airport. And I hate Orlando's airport. <laughs> I'm from Orlando. That airport's crazy because every time you go in and out of Orlando, you're behind either the elderly or families with little kids that don't know what they're doing. it's it it just happens (laughs) because of disney yeah
0: no bear i'm gonna give O'Hare actually decent grades because uh i've typically the airport i can stay in a hotel connected there when i have to get an early flight out of there Mm, um so i give it that but miami is my top airport just so you know because of the smoking area your favorite Yeah. so much walking so much. Miami has
2: a lot of walking. I don't dislike Miami's airport. I actually dislike Fort Lauderdale's more.
0: Oh, Fort Lauderdale's kind of like I don't know. How, you're right. It's it's cramped. It's it's not like really I don't know, it's like dingy. No, and it's it's dingy. There's not much there yeah. and it's just uh
2: it's sticky. I I yeah, like, I agree and I, that's the, the stickiness, I can't get over. Yeah.
0: But you won't get any you won't get any uh, disagreement with me on Charlotte it is not it's not the worst airport in the country but for sure it is a uh, it is a disappointment
1: the most neutral airport in this country is is from my hometown because it doesn't suck and it's not it doesn't suck but it's not great and that's the El Paso International Airport there's two terminals you go up you go up an escalator you go through you go through security and you go either to Terminal A or Terminal B—it's right there. There's no trains. There's hardly any walking, and that's it. It's you know beautiful. I have
2: flown, I have flown uh, in and out of El Paso before, and I agree. It's not that it's it's a it's a it's a fine airport. It's the most uncomplicated
1: thing in the world. Traveling out of yeah. El
2: Paso is the most uncomplicated thing in the world. It's awesome. I'll agree with that. You know another one that's similar to that is Albuquerque. Albuquerque's yes. got a good yes. airport.
0: Yeah, it's it's just uh yeah, it, I I actually been to that airport once. It's a good airport. You just Albuquerque is not a great city, is unfortunate.
2: No, it's the only thing about Albuquerque is the Sandia Peak, and you can find good food outside yeah. of that. There's nothing there. You just gotta be careful <laughs> what
0: neighborhood you wander into there. Oh, there's
2: absolutely! But I'm a sucker for green chili, so oh yeah, I, I have a special heart, special place in my heart for Albuquerque because they have green chili everywhere. Yeah, and I love green chili. <laughs> Yeah, Phoenix
1: Airport will always be bad. Uh, my my sister has a has a curse on her. Uh if she ever travels to Phoenix or through Phoenix, some bad always happens. Like it's just <laughs> it just it it's it's uncanny. Like since she was a teenager, she's had this issue. Like she like and she's also she she's prone to motion sickness too. She said one of the worst landings in her world. The only time she's ever thrown up on a plane was when she la- when she landed in Phoenix. When she was in Phoenix she landed in phoenix and and can just yeah use one of those 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 one of those bags it's crazy my uh
2: my biggest thing about phoenix airport is it takes like i would time it from getting off the plane to leaving my rental car was never under an hour ever and that always drove me insane. It was never under an hour. It was always an hour, 90 minutes, two hours sometimes. That was my problem with Phoenix Airport. It was just so much time consumed, just getting from the gate to your exit. Yeah. Um,
1: my so my next question uh, for road road warrior Andy is give give us give us the worst. Uh, day that you've ever traveled. What was the? What happened? Like, what went wrong? What was supposed to happen and what didn't happen? What was the worst yeah. day of travel that you've uh, ever had?
0: Uh, can I answer Andy? that after Andy? Please. Yeah, go ahead. Because you just had it, so that's why I was talking. about It, it. wasn't. That it wasn't, was. That wasn't actually. Yeah.
2: It was actually leaving El Paso Airport. Believe it or not. Funny enough, okay. <laughs> I uh, I needed to be in Salt Lake City, and I left El Paso. I was trying to leave El Paso. My plane was delayed enough to where I wasn't going to get my connecting flight, and they wanted to put me on a connecting flight from Vegas to Salt Lake City the next morning. And I was like, no, I don't want that to happen. So I rearranged my flight in El Paso to get to Vegas. I got to Vegas to rearrange my flight to get to Vegas to Salt Lake City. The flight in Vegas then got canceled. So I had to stay near the airport in Vegas on their terms, which was a, a La Quinta, by the way. Uh, no <laughs> fun. And then got on a plane. I had to get on a plane early at 6 a.m. the next day on Vegas to get to Salt Lake City for my event at noon. So that was that was terrible. I think that was the worst I've worst luck I've ever had trying to travel. Cause I don't, you know, honestly, I've, I've been pretty fortunate outside of that. So yeah, I got stuck in Vegas in a crappy hotel off the strip for seven hours to get on a flight to make it to my events on time at noon.
0: <laughs> wow. Go ahead, Coop. I'll uh, just answer Matt tobacco's question, which is worse. JFK or LaGuardia. The answer is Newark. <laughs> Newark sucks. <laughs> Newark sucks. Uh, LaGuardia has actually been uh, re- reconfigured, and uh, my kids actually flew up to LaGuardia when we were up in New York earlier this year, and they had a very good experience with it. Um, and JFK is a, like I said, uh, it's a great hub airport, oh, they're that big airport. And but LaGuardia has improved a lot, is what I'll say. The, uh, you know, I even saw some of the improvements, but my kids were really uh, high on it, but. The, the worst day I had was uh, a very famous day. Um, I was flying back to Charlotte, um, from, uh, New York and I had problems with flights getting canceled. Right. Um, and I got on a flight from New York to Charlotte. Uh, and I, my, my family knew I was having, and my company knew I was having problems and I, you know, but I, but what happened is, um, they didn't know how much I was delayed and, uh, while i was in the air there was another flight uh the, the chelsea sullenberger flight which was going to charlotte landed in the hudson and oh really and many wow. people thought i was on that flight because they knew i was wow. having problems getting out there i was not out of that flight because i did not fly to uh, i think they went out of Laguardia, i was out of i was out of uh, jfk with that but i was having a lot of problems getting out it was just bad luck that day um and uh I don't want to say that was an option, though, for me, because I was I think I was always sticking with the JFK option that day. But, you know, sometimes you do have an option. They will shuttle you to LaGuardia if there's a flight problem. I, I i know that I know people done. So, yeah, I was not on that flight, but people thought I was on that. flight. And, you know, this is when, you know, you, when the self when I turned my cell phone on, I had voicemails and text messages and people asked me if I'm OK. And, and I found out that had happened while we were in the air. So. That was, but yeah, that was a bad day for me to get out of New York. I remember that.
2: That's crazy.
0: Yeah, that was (laughs) so that, that yesterday, like I said, um, I got to just, the airlines were really accommodating, uh, to us. And, um, I didn't like being stuck in an airport for as long as I was, but they put me up in a nice hotel, which they don't do anymore. And, uh, you know, they, they gave me a meal voucher and everything. You know, so, wasn't happy about it but mechanical problem is a mechanical problem and uh you know we we had to get on and off the plane it was you know it happened you know I was glad they didn't keep us on the plane for six hours so either so it wasn't it wasn't great yet uh what I dealt with yesterday and today but wasn't as bad as like I said that day when I was flying out of New York back to Charlotte I was it was a mess I don't know what was going on and this is before it was a mess before the the Sullenberger thing happened so yep so I I had to get that one in there What's the sickest you've ever been away from home traveling? Are you at? It? Wait, hold on. Espinosa Lazona Palooza. The sickest
2: I've ever been was in Birmingham, Alabama. I got uh food poisoning and had to sit in my room for two days. Just not feeling good at all. That's <laughs> It was Birmingham. Bad. What was it? What'd you get sick on? Huh? What'd you get sick on? Jimmy John's. It was oh, when gosh, of all things. the uh the e. coli lettuce problem. Oh geez. I was a, I was a victim of that.
1: Oh Jesus.
2: Oh, it was, oh it was terrible. Yeah. I couldn't move out of my hotel room for two days. Yeah. Awful. And it sucked because I was only three hours away from home and I just I couldn't even. I couldn't even muster up the courage, like the strength, to go home. I just sat in the. Tall room. Jeez.
3: Yeah, that was. Oh a- man. Great- Any hey, other my-
1: questions,
0: Coop? Um. Yeah, I got a. I got a couple here. Um. What's the longest car road trip you took in the cigar industry? So, I actually,
2: the first time that I decided to do the New Mexico run from Dallas, I drove it. And I drove to Albuquerque, which is only about five hours from Dallas, and then Albuquerque down to El Paso. And I was like, oh, El Paso to to Dallas, that can't be that bad. No, it's a full day. It's, yeah. 10 hours. <laughs> it's 10 hours. It's 10 hours. El Paso <laughs> to Dallas. And like, I didn't even realize it till I got there because I had never made that drive before. And I was like, oh, El Paso to Dallas. It's got to be five hours. No, nope, it was a full 10 hours. And you change time zones and everything. So that's mm-hmm. the longest ride I ever made for the Scarnish Street was 10 hours. El Paso to Dallas. And that was miserable because there ain't nothing in between. Midland is nothing. <laughs> it's uh,
1: it's Odessa Midland is the halfway point. You're about four and a half, five hours into yeah, it. Yeah, you think
2: you're close, and you're not. Yeah. No.
0: <laughs> yeah, know, that's the
2: guess uh, I've been.
0: Yeah, I drove to Vegas three times for the cigar show.
2: Oof.
0: Um, Can't do that. Um, what I will say is because I take I forty. You know, I don't know if you ever did. You ever go to that when you cross the New Mexico Arizona border on I forty? There's that. Indian Road Post.
2: I know what you're talking
0: of, but I've never actually made that drive. They have but a good humidor, know. is what I'll tell you. They have a good humidor there, and I'll never forget. I found the OG Cuenca y Blancos sitting in that humidor <laughs> in 2016, so, uh, and it this was long. It had already been renamed CYB, and they had a bo- They had they had an open box of those cigars, and needless to say, I grabbed them. Like I bought them like all up that day. I'm going to the cigars. Sh- I was on my way to IPCPR and I'm buying cigars for that reason. <laughs> so go figure that. So that was, um, th- that was a uh, pretty good. Um, okay. A couple of things. Uh, and I asked this question sometimes on the Thursday show. What is a state that you haven't visited that you want to visit? Montana. Oh God. Just I one. heard good cigar. Snap. State too. Snap. Snap yeah.
2: call. Yeah. Do what?
1: Good cigar state. And I said, snap call. You just were like, Montana, like no hesitation. Yeah.
2: Oh no. I've, I've wanted to go to Montana. You know, and what that Yellowstone show or whatever, just made me really want to go to Montana even more. I mean, I I hear it's a beautiful state. Uh, I've heard it's a good cigar state too. And I just, I would love to go do some hiking in uh, the
0: Montana mountains. I think that'd be great. Unbelievable. No, that's good. That I, I agree, um, and I heard Idaho is very good too. Our good friend Sean Miles ha- hails from there, and mm-hmm. uh, I haven't
2: been to Idaho either. But I would choose Montana over Idaho. I choose Montana over Hawaii, believe it or not. I never know Hawaii, but I would love to go to Montana. I,
0: I have been to Hawaii. It's uh, I've been to the Big Island. It's it's amazing. Um, uh, That'd be my second choice. Yeah, It'd be Montana, Hawaii,
2: than Alaska would be my top
0: three. Yep. Yeah, I. uh, OK, so I have a thing, Andy, called the bucket list where I want to smoke. And I've been doing this for a few years now. So uh, I have this list and I started doing it in 2020 where I smoked at Red Rocks, Colorado was the first place I did. Um, the second place I did last year is I smoked on the Golden Gate Bridge. And this year, the goal is I'm going to Minnesota later this year. And I want to have a cigar where Mary Tyler Moore throws her hair up, not hair up, a hat up, in the middle of downtown Minneapolis. So that's that's the next place that I'm going to be doing my bucket list way to smoke. So, uh, do you have a bucket list place where you want to smoke? Oh, yeah, I've never thought about this before. Yeah, man, bucket list
2: place to smoke. Yeah. Oh. Oh, no, it'd be kind of cool to have a cigar um, in Times Square on New Year's Eve. That'd be pretty cool.
0: You don't want to be in Times Square on New Year's Eve. <laughs> I know, but I wish I have done it. I've done it. Uh, it w- you know what? Included in be, a place where be. I could have a cigar and just you know, watch it. You know what? That would be cool, though. I, would, I could put that on a bucket list. I could see that on my own bucket list.
2: Like, not in the crowd of all the crazy people. If I could be, like, on a balcony watching it. Yeah. And having a cigar as the time went as the time went on to uh, the next year,
0: that would be freaking cool. Yeah, that it would be. That's a very. That's why it's intriguing what you just said. Like having it right as the ball drops. Like I've smoked this cigar. Yeah, you know, the epicenter of where the year changes and stuff. Yeah, I I can see that. Yeah, I think that would be. I think that I've never thought about that question before, but that's the first thing that
2: came to mind.
0: That's a. It's a very. It's a good answer. I think it's a very. Very good answer. Um, you know, like I guess in some of these things it's tough, right? Because, like the Golden Gate Bridge experience was interesting because I I, I had a good day to go and it and I did, but there was a problem when I did it in that there were a lot of families walking the Golden Gate Bridge, right, with kids, and I felt a little bad, right, because you know I I, I don't like smoking around kids, right. So yeah. it's kind of funny. I had to kind of find literally a corner of the bridge for a while, and I'm walking with this lit cigar and everything. And you know, like I said, I'm not looking to to disturb families or anything doing this. But that was the only challenge I had with the goal. But I did pull it off. I did pull it off. So I checked it off. That's
2: cool. I've been on the Golden Gate Bridge a couple times. I never thought about smoking on it,
0: but it, it was a whole like California. I'm going to smoke on the Golden Gate Bridge, and <laughs> you know, and it's anti-city. And I picked the day was perfect. There was no wind that day. Oh, wow. So I really lucked out. Like you can see the video. There's a little bit of wind, but it wasn't like it wasn't bad at all. I was able to my cigar was staying perfectly lit and everything. So uh, it was a perfect day that when I and it was about a year ago to this this month, I did that. So Minnesota oh, is going to be the next one. I don't know how that's going to be pulled off From the of thoughts I had up in the air. But uh, I've already talked to Matt and Garrett about this. So I said, I want to do it. And that will be the next thing I check off my list. Uh, we that iconic corner where Mary Tyler Moore throws the hat up in the air. Another
2: one would be uh, smoking on the rim of the uh, Grand Canyon. That'd be kind of cool. That
1: I've, would be- that I've done that.
0: Oh, wow. you've done that, so.
1: Oh, yeah. So cool. So cool. Great choice. It's awesome. That
0: would that would be a, a, a good one as well. And, and the other one I have on my list, uh, it goes back to the, um, it goes back to the uh, west. Is the four corners point. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, could I actually like smoke a cigar in four states at the same time? They won't they probably won't let you. That guard area is pretty guarded, pretty cool, yeah. but yeah. that would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, I was just I was just with my buddy, <laughs> uh, I was just with my buddy Mark Feely, aka we call him Stogie Santa, and he had a bucket list. He wanted to smoke on a glacier in in, uh, in Alaska and he did it. And he was yelled at by many, but <laughs> he did it anyway and didn't care. So <laughs> So he got to do yeah. There's a picture of him smoking on a glacier from years ago. So uh, that'd be another one I'd want to do too. So uh, mine is uh, I wanna
1: I wanna let, I wanna smoke a cigar, uh, walking down Beale Street and cruising some of the. You talked about Nashville having great music.
0: I wanna do that in Memphis. That we can make happen. I mean, you could walk down Broadway here and yeah. That that was that one's very yeah, and it's a great it's a great walk by the way to I've go. It to Beale Street. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: I love I love Memphis, man. I, I there there's something about that city, man. I know there's there's some really there's some really bad parts of it, and and uh, but there's just there's some there's something about that's this you know everyone talks about the soul of New Orleans, man. There, there's a there's a there's a beautiful soul to Memphis. Nashville's like this too. Like they're just yeah. they're two of the most beautiful
0: cities in in the country, and I just I love them both. Um, great place to smoke it. You can smoke in Memphis. There's a rest stop uh, right on the Mississippi River, uh, where you can see the bridge to Arkansas. That's cool. I did that, and it's a it, you can smoke there, and no one gave me a problem with that. So, I, and I've done that. Re- I did that last year. So uh, it was a little <laughs> cold the day I did it there, but it was worth it. It wasn't a bucket list, but it was a great place. I I did have a uh, a cigar, um, so. All right, I think we are at the end of our show here. Um, so again, Andy, first of all, thank you very much for being on the show and sticking around for as long as you did. What a <laughs> um, what a marathon runner! We, we kept you. Uh, we, we his put earbuds. You, his
2: earbuds. He wanted to be on. Earbuds died. Listen, I just bought them today too. And listen, died. you
0: wanted to be on the show, and uh, we really we're really glad we had you on the show. This was long overdue. And uh, we look forward to having you back. So, uh, for hey, sure. I'm ready whenever you are. I yeah.
2: appreciate both of you guys, all that you do for us and the industry. And uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you.
0: Well, you're, you're, thank, thank you, you as Andy. well. Thank you for all you've done as well. Thank you for McAuliffe. Uh Thanks to the ambassador community and everyone who tuned yeah. in tonight. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Thank yeah. you all. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bear, anything else before we wrap
1: up? No, yeah, yeah. I think you nailed it. I, I just, I really, Andy. I, I want to thank you so much for the time. Uh, I mean, I think, I think you might be our longest guest. I mean, oh, uh, that to to stand in for. It. I mean, uh, we we've had some. We've had the opportunity to interview some great folks, and usually they have to, they have to, they have to peel out and stuff. But you hung in there the whole time. Yeah, we I, do appreciate again, it. Thank yeah. you, thank you so much. Uh, humoring, a lot of fun. Humoring, yeah. humoring, uh, our. Our, uh, our, in- our our inch our intro um, it went fast it
0: went this was a long show but it went very no fast. i know but it's been yeah. we've
2: been on this for almost four hours yeah it we started a little late,
0: late. we a little late but yeah but uh yeah I, I was amazed that um I was just amazed like I said it went quick tonight so yeah mm-hmm. and to the and to the McAuliffe
1: ambassador community thank you so much for uh just making this such an enjoyable evening this I mean this has one been one of the most Lively, uh, just fun chats that have gone on in, in, a, in a super long time on yeah. the show. I just, I love it. Um, you guys are a very passionate group of people. I'm, um, I'm honored to be a part of it. I'm a, I'm a member Same of the group on Facebook. Yep. I can't wait to see some of you guys. Uh, crossing my fingers, knocking on wood at the open house here in a few weeks. Yep. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And, uh, but again, Andy, thank you so much for all your valuable time, especially since we just completed this Road Warrior segment. How much time you dedicate uh, to McAuliffe and, and uh, how much time you do get away. Uh, don't get away uh, from your job, and and yeah. the personal time that you have is very valuable. And you spent, like you said, four hours with us. Uh, it it means the world to me. Yeah. and to Coop. So thank you.
0: Yeah, and thank you to everyone in the cigar industry who is a road warrior. Um, mm-hmm. We it's we we really need to thank everyone who does that um, because it's not Absolutely. easy. So I get you know my hats off to everyone who's doing it.
1: Shout out to Daniel Hughes who just posted. He went through three devices with us tonight. That is that's dedica- dev- that that dedication that's dedication.
0: Wow, we appreciate. State from him. Kentucky. That's
2: where he's from. Yeah.
0: Great. State. I'll be in Kentucky uh the end of September, so i look awesome. forward to that. Yep.
2: All uh, right, guys. Thank you so much for tonight and uh I look forward to talking to both of you guys soon.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh programming note, we'll be back Thursday night uh primetime uh episode 239. Uh Aaron Loomis and I will have on uh Casa 1910 cigars. So uh, look forward to talking to them. Uh, but that's going to – anyway, that wraps up. Special edition 126 into the Annals of History for Tuesday, August 30th. Now, Wednesday, August 31st in the Eastern and Central time zones. We'll see everybody next time. Take care, everybody. Thank you. See you
1: next time.